What follows is strictly for adults. Put your children out of harm's way. You see, the following five gentlemen are clearly not PG. In fact, an R rating would stand for rude. Let's meet them now. He's originally from the land of Lincoln, Illinois. Then he moved to Georgia, and then he moved to Florida. How much farther south can this man go? Cuba? There's no doubt. This man is lucky Ronald Reagan is not alive because he would be calling him a communist. But don't worry, he's no Castro comrade. He's the president of the Bears Country Podcast. The lead host of their signature show. Now he's one of us. One of us! One of us! Aldo calls him the OD. Let's not call him a cocksucker. The other Dan. We don't know anything about him. I mean, we don't know shit about him. We don't know his real name. Is it Thaddeus? Is it Reginald? Is it Frank? I don't know. What's his address? Any of his friends? Does he even have any friends? Hey, we do know this. He's someone you better not fuck around with. He knows the Bears and the game of football. He's funny as fuck. He likes to fuck. And just like me, again, this is redundant, but he likes pussy. No man. This man was an extra on Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers back in 1994. It is believed he has more body hair than any other mammal on the fucking planet. And some suspect he starred in gay porn back in the 1980s. But there's nothing wrong with that. Now he delivers the Bears' state of affairs. He handicaps games better than anyone except maybe Mike North, but they're both good. He loves the efficiency of bourbon. It's Tooch. It's Mr. John Santucci. You know this gentleman as the Podfather. He created the Barroom Network in 2014. 2023 figures to be a big year in this man's life. Medicare, Social Security, and erectile dysfunction all at one time. Hey, quit calling him white. He's tired of that shit. He's Puerto Rican. He's Aldo Gandia. I've been saying for three years on the Barroom Network that I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating. But now I don't really know if that's true. All right, I'm just fucking with you. Of course it's true, but it's been a bad season. I mean, except for Justin Fields running all over the place, right? I recently got dumped by a girl on Facebook. My ex-wife's getting remarried. But don't worry about me. I'm still getting lots of pussy. I'm Dan Aguirre. These five are here to talk about the Chicago Bears and bear their souls. Yeah, baby! We're back! We're back! Everybody except Johnny Santucci, who we are hoping will make it uh, a little later in the show. He's out for a parent-teacher conference. His parent is really angry at him and wants to talk to the teacher. <laughs> All right, we're going to go around the horn here. Dan Aguirre, how are you, my friend? I'm well, and... I'm still shocked and stunned by Kirsten Cinema's outfit tonight, but I'm okay. Dan, Dan has become the uh, fat. Ooh, who the hell are these 
beautiful women that you're sending me pictures of. Uh, <laughs> Christian Cinema, the uh, senator from Arizona, decided to wear a uh, what is it, Big Bird outfit? <laughs> it's <laughs> pretentious and it's it's just it's screaming for attention. Yeah, hello, what? Going? <laughs> I've arrived. <laughs> Another guy that always walks into the room looking for attention. He is Mr. Shorty, the other Dan, the old D. How are you, my friend? I'm excellent, man. It's great to. I'm getting echo too. I think. Uh oh, yeah, that's gotta be me. That fucking stop machine. Here. I hear the echo. Throw that thing out the window. Take that thing like off. Is it better now? Yeah, it's better now. Yeah, this fucking microphone. <laughs> All right, you don't have to throw it out. <laughs> How are you, man? It's tuned correctly, huh? No, I'm great, man. I, you know, I, I, the downtime now. Uh, because there's no games to watch between episodes is kind of uh, sad. I look forward to talking to you guys every week. So glad to be back with everyone here on Tuesday night for Bear Their Souls. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about your trip to the Senior Bowl. So, yeah, I, I, it was a very successful trip. I'm anxious to talk about it. Uh, let me introduce Nomad, who has not had a, as good a week as any of us. Uh, Nomad, so sorry for your loss. I am so happy uh, that you're here. Uh, a big hug to you. Uh, I'm not sure how big you are, so I'm just going to go like this. And give you a great <laughs> big hug, brother. How are you, man? I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you guys in the chat. For asking me about my pops uh last week um i told you guys he uh had to get airlifted to uh to uh an icu unit in oak park and on the third he passed and so you know for a few days you know i you know grieving like everybody else people go through this these these same things you all have you aldo you uh mr shorty and also dan aguire you know, it's just my turn right now. And he's and Pooch, in a way, you know, his mother-in-law and Kitty, yeah. Kitty's yeah. mother, my mother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. Not to interrupt so, you. Go ahead. I don't, I don't, I hate to start to show off on a, on a sad note. So I'll be quick. You know, I didn't, my father was, I didn't have a, my biological father wasn't involved. My pops, he's actually my grand grandfather, but I call him my dad. He's my pops. And he raised me and uh, we were best friends. I mean, you, you, I had tons of friends over in my lifetime through school and different parts of my life. But, you know, people change over time and friends change, too. You, you find out that you only have a lot of associates is what you have. But the one constant in my, in my life and I heard somewhere a long time ago, in order for you to be a man in this life, you need to see a man. And so I'm at the stage of, of grief where I transitioned from that to just being fucking thankful, man. And I had him in my life and to show me, show me how to carry myself in this world and just be a man and be loving. And so I'm just grateful, man. Yeah. I know uh, Dan and I, Dan Aguirre and I have had, you know, uh, histories with our dads, you know, uh, Daniel, if you want to talk about your dad at all, I'll just quickly say my dad was a physically abusive alcoholic. And that's why we moved from New York to Chicago to, to escape him. He used to beat the shit out of my mom. And so when he passed away about four or five years ago, I heard from other family members and I really didn't know how to act. You know, I, it wasn't until about a week or two later that I started, I broke down a little bit. But, uh, you know, him not having a presence in our lives and, and when he did, uh, he didn't know how to control his alcohol. 
just uh, really left a, uh, a bitter, angry uh, taste in, in, in my mouth. So um, um, anytime somebody loses their dad, though, whatever their relationship with them is, their stepfather or biological father, it's, it's not easy, man. It's not easy at all. Anna, why are you there? Yeah, I, it's hard for me to, to talk about my dad in a 30-second soundbite, but suffice to say, uh, like every other little boy that was a guy I looked up to, he died when I was 12, but he was always trying to get uh, South uh, East Asia out of his head somehow. For He was in the front lines of Vietnam and was either fixated on religion or just high as fuck on, usually he took LSD was his main drug, but whenever he would get high, of course he would, uh, you know, we couldn't have guns in the house because we was afraid he'd fucking kill us or there's always constant violence against my mom or suicide attempts and the thing that's always stood out to me the most was uh, Super Bowl 26. I ran home from my friend's house because the game's about to kick off. I can't miss it. I thought I had a ride. I was two miles away and I uh, realized I didn't have a ride, so I ran the best I could. I didn't want to miss kickoff, and I get home, and as soon as I get in the door, he slashes his wrist, and I'm winded still from running and hit an artery, and there's just so much fucking blood. So there was always this sense of what's going to set him off. But at the same regard, it's your dad, too. So it's that weird dichotomy of fear and love and, and respect and, and, and just disgust all together at all mm -hmm. times. Uh, and since we're bearing our souls here, uh, I, I never knew my biological father. Mm. And uh, my, my, my shortino last name comes from my father, who he was my father since I was like, six months old he was in love with my mother when she was pregnant in high school with me mm. and you know ended up marrying her and then adopted me and um he, he uh I, I always felt like the red-headed stepchild you know even though mm -hmm. i wasn't redheaded you know the, this the saying sorry about the the slang of that but you know like i felt the he he, he was he was exactly opposite is of what your father was although he was not uh physically he was verbally abusive and he um, just, it was always like he, I don't know, it was, we, we just never got along until I got older. And then we became best of friends. Mm. And then he passed away in uh, 2011 of liver cancer after mm. a week. Of, he told us on a Sunday and he was gone the next Sunday. So, you know, just um, you have to cherish the ones that you love and the time that you have with them. And, um, you know. I think that's enough said for this. We should okay. acknowledge Chris Watts too. Uh, yes. 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 Chris uh, Watts father uh, passed away recently too. So our uh, sincere condolences to you, Chris, as well. I appreciate all you guys in the chat too, man. I see, I see you Don bird, man. That's, Ooh, I, I can't imagine it happening like that, man. I know that shit was rough, man. Peace out to you, man. I, hey, I love you. No matter if we, Enemies on the football field, that shit don't matter. But when it comes to stuff like this, man, my heart goes out to you for real, for real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, so, Nomad, uh, whatever you cheers, need from cheers us, to man. Your pops. Cheers yeah, to your indeed. pops. You got a drink in your hand, Nomad? I'll get one. Hold on. <laughs> I can't prepare it. <laughs> Dad's got his uh, Coca-Cola, I'm sure. Right. That's, there you go. <laughs> Got gotcha, you, man. To all y'all in the chat, too, man. Cheers wine to you. Tonight. Tonight's wine. Oh, good stuff, man. Well, 
we are going to talk some football here. Uh, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl. Uh, we got uh, a couple of fun things that we want to do. In fact, I want to start with this right now, just to fuck around, just to have some fun. And so I had this idea, and I ha I've had it for a long time, to do – because the one thing that Dan Aguirre excels at more than anyone is his memory of Chicago Bears stuff, Right. So I came up with this idea. See if we can uh, shoot a little open to introduce it. Who wore the number, Dan Aguirre? Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, real quick. Did you see Matt Nagy was talking to CHGO? They have an extensive interview with Coach Nagy. Who wants to hear oh, that? No. Not me. <laughs> hey, hey, did you watch the whole thing or did you get a snippet of it? I saw the snippet where he was talking about the game that Aldo and I were at with the Browns and Justin Fields' first start. I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I just can't hear that man speak. Oh, man. Oh. It, it, it was worth it to watch the whole thing. I mean, I know everybody used to just say the word Matt Nagy and people coming out with the arrows, Jack. They coming. Say Ryan Pace, they coming with the arrows. But what I liked about it was it, it was the candor. You know, and it was pretty clear to me after. And I thought this all the time after watching certain things happen within a game and on the sidelines and how he how the players reacted to him and how he reacted to them. He was wholly unprepared, wholly unprepared to be a head coach in this league. And if you watch if you you had watched that full interview, you'd see the part. You see the exact part and where he says it. Basically, he says I was you know, in Kansas City, and I had my blinders on. I was focused on the offense and Patrick Mahomes and whatever. I paid no attention to what Andy Reid had to do throughout the day. And all the next thing you know, and I'm not quoting him, he basically said that, okay, next thing you know, they're offering me all this money to go take the Chicago job, and there I was. And he, and he admitted that he didn't like Trubisky. Was that part of that? Because I, 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 I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I, I didn't see that interview, but I I saw that in text somewhere, like in an, in an article, that he had said that that he when he got to the Bears, like he didn't like Trubisky. It wasn't his quarterback, and I, you know, there was rumblings about that throughout, you know, that tenure. But I didn't want to believe it, but it's pretty much true. It came from his mouth, unless that story was bullshit. But it, it was no, quoted. I don't think I don't think he had that had anything to do with him. How long he stayed, the starter, all of that stuff. I think I don't I don't think Matt Nagy had much to do with any of that situation. I think that was kind of thrust upon him. I mean, he had to make it work. I believe that. I'm not trying to defend well, Matt Nagy. Down, yeah, you're but, not gonna turn down one job out of thirty two. Right. You're gonna deal with what you have to deal with. Yeah, but I do feel that when you're interviewing for a job, you've got to be candid about the situation. And so if he was anything less than candid about his assessment of Mitchell Trubisky, then he did the Chicago Bears organization, his employers, the fans of Chicago, and uh, the quarterback Mitchell Trubisky a disservice, a, a, a disgraceful uh, disservice. You know, no matter how much money you're offered, you, you need to stand up. And, and speak your mind about what is right, what is wrong, how you feel about things, how you would go about correct it, how you should offer up ideas to take a different route. 
if you're not if the if you think that this person is not corrected and if you lose out on the fucking job you lose out on the fucking job you know that's just the way it should be because what happens instead is this disaster that is known as Matt Nagy and I know that the Dan Aguirre doesn't want to hear his voice Matt Nagy's voice but I am prepared for that because he was uh, Nagy was asked about Justin Fields. So I wanted to share this with everyone, including my man Dan. Without a doubt, I mean he's a he's you, you all saw this year what he can do, and he's going to continue to keep growing. Um, wh- however you want to say whatever part of his game, but to do what he did from his rookie year to this past year, it's only going to get better for him. Um, he is wired the right way. He is the, the I got to see him firsthand how he studies, um, how he practices. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> that I like the, you, you used Roddy McDowell there with the, the cross. <laughs> Saw that, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not ready to add my fucking Matt Nagy button to this channel. <laughs> because every time the name came up on Bears Country Podcast, I would pull up a, a clip of him that would end the fucking conversation. <laughs> And you know what? Right after that, right after that clip, or somewhere right nearby that, he mentioned <laughs> that, and he mentioned that. And don't forget, he was—he's basically a rookie again because he's in a new offense. Yeah. So he had to figure all that shit out. I yeah. thought that was—I uh, th- I thought he was candid. I thought he was very candid. I just—I just after listening to it, I'm 100% sure now that he was wholly unprepared to be a head coach and a leader of men on a, in a on a football field. Just hearing him speak reminds me of how much I'm glad he's gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's this this cadence to his his talking that it makes him less than authentic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that and what he said there about Justin, you know, he's so uh, effusive in his praise. But maybe I should watch that CHGO interview to see how he can explain what he did to that kid in Cleveland. I mean, that motherfucker could have ruined that young man's career with the game plan that he walked into that stadium. And and, uh, Dan Aguirre and I are at that stadium, and we're looking at each other, and we're wondering, what the fuck is he doing? Leaving that guy out there without any protection, five offensive linemen who were not ready against that dominant Cleveland Browns defensive line, and not offering any of those linemen help, chipping, uh, uh, max protect, anything at all. And that poor quarterback and his Mm -hmm. fucking season or career debut is out there. I I get fucking pissed off thinking about it. No screen passes, no play action, no waggle, no bootleg. And he's basically doing what seemed to be seven-step drops. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, he sacked nine or ten times in that game. It was it was like watching Jay against the Giants back in, what was that, 2010? Right. When when Jay got sacked like nine or ten times in the first half at, at mm-hmm. New York, it was just horrible. Yep. It was like you he know, did it on purpose. I, I, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that uh, uh, the other day because it, it did feel he was, he was all the way up until – uh, I think Tuesday or, or Monday, he was saying, you know, Fields is not ready to play. Fields is not ready. And then all of a fucking sudden, Fields is starting. And so... Wait, who was saying that? Uh, uh, Matt Nagy. I'm not even going to get into that. That's... I have zero thought. There, there you go. <laughs> I love it. You know what? You know what? That Matt Nagy, man, he, he appears to me to be a good human being. I, I'm going to say that and put that out there. Okay. But sure. And he and he seen and he's very um thoughtful and reflective of himself. 
I like that quality. Great about friend, him. And a great Absolutely. father and a great husband. Yeah, yeah. However, Matt Nagy does not have conviction. And I'm talking about as a football coach and a leader of men. He does not have conviction. He doesn't know what he wants to be as a coach. He right. he, he appears to be the kind of guy that if we're in a room full of uh, all of us and we have say-so in some decisions that, that need to be made for the head coach and he's the leader, seems to me like the last person in the room would probably be the one that wins that battle because he has no conviction mm-hmm. as opposed to a, someone, someone like Matt Eberflus right away. When he came in here, you knew exactly what he was going to be about and what he's yep. done. He he came in here with an identity. He almost he got the, the vision of what he wanted this team to be. This dude was all over the place, and, uh, and it showed. Iberflus almost kind of made you fear the hits principle, like it was going to be driven down everyone's throat so much that you're going to get sick of hearing it, you know. But it's the kind of thing that after year one, you're not going to. We're not going to be talking about the hits principle. There might be some you know, reporters bringing it up next year, but by year three, if this team is successful next year, nobody's going to be talking about the fucking hits principle. Cause it's going to, it's just going to be what it is. And moving forward, it's going to continue to just be what it is. And you're not going to hear about that principle anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I know that some fans, uh, followers of the show hate it when we talk about Nagy, he's in the past, but the, but the reality is, is that every former head coach of the Chicago bears, there is this residual effect that stays in, in effect for, uh, you know, one, two years. And like with Dick got decades. So, you know, it, it, it I, when lovey left, I was talking about lovey for two, three, four years after that. When uh, Wanstat left, a, a, a couple of years, and so I'm still not over the Wanstat era. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dan Aguirre loves uh, Dan Aguirre and myself. We we love Wanstat. We think he was a, a good coach. He had those guys fired up every fucking week to play. You know, he just didn't my, have the my, my, young meat, my, my young meatball self though went from Dicka to this next cool guy with the mustache who got the Bears into the playoffs once, and to me. That was also when I had the press passes and we were going to every one of those games too. And we were sitting up in the press booth for like three seasons and it was, it was fucking miserable to watch. And so Mm -hmm. I was, I just thought that he was a failure of of a coach. That was at the time. You guys have since convinced me because I've gone back and, you know, kind of done some research on that era and he, he wasn't as bad of a coach as I thought, but for me as a youngster, just coming off of the Ditka era, I think that's what just soured me to him because I thought, oh, here, here we got this next cool guy from Dallas with the mustache, you know. And he was, he, he had a good coach, you know. He looked like a coach. He had the part. He, he was, he was a hard ass, you know. You liked him, but he just, in, in my mind, failed because of the situation that the Bears were in playoff wise. So, but I like him now. He does a good job. If there was one game to me that epitomizes Wani's entire era. Because, again, the team, talent-wise, wasn't what we wanted to be. We never had – we had Kramer for one year on fire until he breaks his neck. But right. in 96, so Eric's hurt. David Craig is the quarterback. They're outmanned. They're at Mile High Stadium. Denver's like 10-1, and 11-1. And, and the Bears get to, the like, the one-yard line at the end of the game to upset Denver. Four, four plays from, like, the one-yard line. They can't get in. And they lose, and that was like one. That was like the one game. It's just like Wani's there. He's so close, but so far away. You know. Yeah, yeah. Could I could I roll right back to the uh, the uh, Nagy conversation about that Cleveland game? Because I 
I, sure. I think there was something something there because um I can I can vividly remember like two weeks leading into that game and the tone and tenor of the media and people on social media and they were clamoring for Justin Fields. Like like put him out there, put him out there. And I you know what I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a Matt Nagy defender, but I do believe because at first when I seen that game and he put him out there, I was hot. Like every other fan in Chicago, I was hot. But I do remember the tone and the tenor and the pressure that was building to put him on the field. And I believe that he got tired of probably the front office, Ryan Pace, who was probably getting pressure from people that are above him. We need to put that rookie in there and see what he's got. And he kept telling him. He went on record multiple times. He's not ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. And I think Matt Nagy folded and put him in there in a bad Probably the worst case scenario ever. According yeah, to, if you remember at the time, there was a report saying that George McCaskey said, "Fuck it, play this guy." We just drafted him. He denied that, but that was the report at the time, going into week three of 2021. Yeah, I remember that. But according to the one of your two nomad and uh, Dan's least favorite journalists, Chicago journalists, Hub Arkush, he swears that McCaskey, George McCaskey himself, said he's playing. That's what I, just said. I, I, yeah, I don't well, doubt it. I don't. Okay. I don't doubt that, man. I, I could tell by even that, just yeah. the, if you went back to the uh, the media and his his uh, press conferences, he was emphatic, like he's not ready to play. And all of a sudden, he just put him out there, and and it was. It feels like Hub knew what the fuck he was talking about because it was like a snap judgment. You know, it's so like he really had no intention at all us for two weeks that this guy ain't ready, and now you just throw him out there. What happened? He had no intention at all of playing in that season. He didn't. Right. He didn't even give him the opportunity in training camp to get it to get anyone excited about it. Right. So, he, he was never prepared enough. And so, when the opportunity presented itself from Mr. McCaskey himself, that he had to do it, the kid wasn't prepared, and it made him look like a fool. Yeah, it's. Uh... One of the saddest things, and uh, I think in, in Bears history, uh, that that motherfucker was given a job by another nincompoop, Ryan Pace. And I've I've been on the whole right. I, I shouldn't get into it again, but Ryan Pace is the, is even a bigger culprit than than a lot of people realize. You oh, know, gutless, spineless guy who's drafting a quarterback without telling his head coach. It's like, what the fuck Trading is wrong with fucking up every draft? Although, although that might be, and I thought about, it, I put some thought into this, mm-hmm. and I can tell you for a certain in the history of the Bears organization that was the worst draft decision ever in the history of the NFL's top three to five. I guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. How do you pass up? How do you end up with fucking Mitchell Trubisky with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson sit? How is that? How that shouldn't have, that should have never happened. Period. Yeah. That yep. was. <laughs> well, I didn't know who the fuck he was, man. We all were like, what the fuck? Like, they traded up. Okay. Uh, who knew who Mitchell Trubisky was before that draft? Who, who can honestly Trubisky. say they knew who he was before the draft? I love I love Aldo when you did their shots. Yeah, that's right. 
I'm going to do him again if fucking Ryan Post fucks up this draft. <laughs> who knew who that guy, who knew who Trubisky was? By the way, uh, Bear Truth 9 says that you you look like Matt Nagy. All you need is the visor. I forgot to take the fucking thing off, the white off. I actually, I, I, I usually wear a visor over a hat, to be honest with you. <laughs> really? But the reason why I do is because I have a very hot head, so I sweat like a fucking pig out of my head. I, I could I could literally just, it'll, it'll, It'll just drip like a faucet, like a stream. If, if it's especially in here in Florida, it's you know. So, oh yeah, I do have a full head of hair though. So I'm definitely not Mac Nagy, Bear Truth. Definitely not mm -hmm. Mac Nagy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, and STC is right. Pace did do a good job in trading up for Justin, and you know it wasn't the only uh, good move that he did during his tenure. But there was just certain things about him. You know, uh, if he allowed management to push him into hiring John Fox, then again, you're a fucking coward. If you don't tell your head coach that you're drafting Trubisky, you're a coward. Um, and uh, there, there's there's other instances where he just proved to me that he was uh, uh, he wasn't a true Chicago Bear. And if it's true that George McCaskey and anyone as a higher up in the organization, higher up than a general manager said, I want Justin Fields to play, I want this or I want that. And they've been lying to us fans too because they say they stay out of the business, the coach, the player personnel decisions and, and all that stuff. They he, George McCaskey loves to say, I don't know anything about football. you know. And if, if it's true that this idiot is telling people what to do, telling people he hired who are supposed to make those decisions, then fuck him, you know, fuck George McCaskey. I said this when we were doing the show two years ago, almost when the, that situation was going on, I truly believe that Nagy wanted to try to win games with Andy Dalton, but in his, in his head, he thought if we lose, then I can say, but, but next season, you have to keep me on next season because we're going to turn to fields. Mm -hmm. I think he thought by playing Dalton that somehow that was going to, at bare minimum, no pun intended, going to give him at least one more season beyond what he got. I thought that that was his ace in the hole to keep his job. Well, and, and, and the whole thing then is if he feels strongly that Justin Fields should have sat his entire rookie season, they, they should have had three active quarterbacks and Fields be the third stringer. I mean, why, why if, if you're going into Cleveland and because your starting quarterback is injured, now you got to play your second string quarterback who you really didn't think was ready. Yeah, and it and felt like he he's he signed Dalton out of like just being vindictive that Nick Foles called him out in 2020. It was like, this guy, what are you doing? Like your game plan, like I'm the one getting sacked out there. Like it seems like you you don't know what's happening on the field. You remember that situation during 2020 when Foles called him out? And it's like he was just like, Well, fuck Foles and and signed a guy that has similar attributes to Foles, but is arguably worse than Foles. So mm -hmm. we should have just started Nick is what big Dick Nick is what we should have started. And, and, and if, you know, if you want full uh, uh, Justin Fields on the bench, you should just started Nick Foles. You remember the game he went out there and won in Seattle on the road, his only start in 2021, which was my favorite one of that season. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, Andy Dalton's a bum. I'm sorry. Andy Dalton is a fucking bum. Well, look at it. Look at it in this context, and this is how coaches, and especially offensive-minded quarterback coaches, think. They think in terms of they're looking at a stable of quarterbacks in the quarterback room. Who gives us the best chance to win? 
in their minds. And I do believe that it was a couple of years. We had a window uh, as Matt Nagy came in the door, had the right quarterback been there and they had drafted the right guy. I thought it was a two year window to get a Super Bowl. I firmly believe that in my heart. But what he ended up with was a stable of guys, two veterans and a, and a rookie. And he's going to his conviction is I'm, I got to go out here with the best player that I think could help us win the game. And he knew and wasn't ready. And his choice between Foles and uh, Andy Dalton, I guess, was clear. He thought Andy Dalton gave him the best chance to get across the finish line. They thought they really had a legit chance to win it with those guys. Mm hmm. Yeah, and so now, you know, we fast forward to today, and again, you know, the things are out of sync. I've been praying for decades now that we do things in order. You get a president CEO, you get a who then hires his own GM, who then hires his own coach. We've fucked that up again. Now, there is the possibility of some hope because I do like all three guys who hold those positions. And so maybe this arranged marriage by George McCaskey is going to work out in favor of the organization, in favor of the team, in favor of us fans. Uh, but I just wish they would have done this all differently. And uh, a year ago, they should have hired uh, Mr. Warren and he should have made the decision on the GM, not fucking uh, old man Polian uh, and uh, the rest of the people that were a part of that fucking committee i don't know that that was my first thought when they hired warren was like fuck what's i'll tell you one thing happy with polls in the year you know is he happy with him now Mm -hmm. i'll tell you one thing i i see some real football guys in the building now some real deal football guys in the building that have played i mean have that have gone out and worked for real deal championship fucking football teams with a coach that I think is the real deal. That trio of Poles, Cunningham, and Eberflus, I am 100% confident they are going to come away with this with some kick-ass fucking football players that are going to change this shit around. I don't give a shit what nobody says. You can criticize anything you want about what they did last year, what they're doing now, and if they didn't get whatever. Wait until they're done cooking the dinner. I, I still worry about the, the coaches. Like, I see Brian Flores come into the division as a coordinator, the coordinator. I'd like to have seen Mr. Williams get his pink slip, and maybe we hire Brian Flores. So I, I just I, – I think Alan Williams is the wrong guy. And we talked about that hit system. I mean, who did who did Eberflos, uh hold accountable in 2022? I mean, there were people loafing all over the place, especially toward the end of the season when they're trying to tank, as we know. I just I, I hope he's the right guy. I feel okay about the, the team president, and I hope the GM's okay. But the, the coaching still worries me. I, I like Justin. I like our team president. Beyond that, I worry, and I like George McCaskey because I want uh, McCaskey wants to win, even if he doesn't know how. He wants to win. He cares. Absolutely, he does. And he's willing to spend money, unlike the the reputation that precedes the organization because of Michael McCaskey. And George Hallis's tenures where they didn't want to spend any money. Mm-hmm. I, I saw plenty of earmarks of a, of a seriously, potentially good football team when there's talent included into this roster. Uh, some serious earmarks. And I've gone on and on about some of those 
on our show with Mr. Shorty, and I've, I've said it here too. And I see the serious earmarks in the way that uh, Poles deconstructed this team. And he, to me, the earmark of a really good GM is the guy you bring in as your coach and the leadership traits that this guy has. And that's, that's everything. You have to have a leader of men, especially in a situation like they were prepared to go through this year. I thought that he, he, he had these guys prepared. He didn't, I seen a few lows towards the end of the season. I think, you know, they did, they did start mailing. There's a few guys out there that start started mailing it in. Dan is correct. But over, Overall and throughout the season, I didn't see that. I really didn't. All right, uh, fellas, uh, let's play this game some other time because I want to sort of time things out. Toot should be here probably in about a half hour. I do want to go over these. Uh, I'm sorry, I fucked up the game. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I, I know you wanted to open up your internet browser and look for the numbers of players. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't have cheated. <laughs> I, that's that's one thing about Dan Aguirre. He is the most fucking honest guy on the face of the earth. You know, <laughs> give him at least one. All right, we'll give you one. Hold on, let me play the open again because I uh, I spent twenty minutes working. On yeah, let's do this. Come on, let's do this real quick. Come on, give him at least one. Or two. <laughs> all right, Dan Aguirre. Um, we all know that our favorite quarterback wears number one. But in 20 seconds, I'd like you to name as many players in the history of the Chicago Bears who have wore number one. Are you ready? Yes. Go. Jeff Jager, place kicker. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You should know one other guy, double doink. <laughs> oh, God. Was Parky one? I, I didn't remember his number. He, he should just race from my mind forever. I thought Courtney, Courtney You should have <laughs> had a cartoon rat go across the screen. Or <laughs> there is Jeff Jager, 1996 through 1999. Yeah, I forgot Mike oh. Nugent kicked like one game with us. That's right. Elgo, you put a lot of work in this. You don't have to make this a segment for tonight. We can just do one or two each show. Give him one more. All right. You want one, one more, uh, Mr. Uh... Sure. Dan Aguirre. All right, let's get rid of this one. Let me ask you, uh, we started at number one. Let's go all the way to number 99. How many players, and there have been almost uh, a little over a dozen, who have worn number 99. You should do better at this. Start now. Dan Hampton. Yes, sir. Oh, man, 99. Why am I blanking? There's one on the squad now. Yeah, I've, I, I've, I don't know. This is a tough fucking game. It is. It is. I'm just saying Dan Hampton. That's the most famous 99. Well, you Trevor Gibson. Trevor yeah, it's Gibson. I should have known that. Aaron Lynch, Lamar Houston. I should have known Lamar Houston and Shane McClellan. Uh, I wouldn't have remembered Marcus Harrison. Or, or Gaines Adams never even played with us. He, he died, right? I mean. That's right. Why would they put him on there if he never? I guess he was assigned ninety nine, but he died. Oh, Jim Flanagan. I should remember Jim Flanagan. Maybe Tim Ryan too. But I, I was going to say Jim Daniel. I don't even know who that. But nineteen forty five. I don't know the Frank gentleman or Hub Shoemaker. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't remember Joe Tofoy either. Is that Michelle's husband? <laughs> I don't I'm, think glad, so. I'm glad all of them didn't pick me to do this. This would have been fucked up a few minutes. 
I had Travis Gibson, Tank Johnson, and Dak, uh, Dan Hampton in my head. All right. Well, next time we'll do a little competition. Well, give me one more, one more, one more. Let's see if I can get at least two for one number. All right. So uh, what follows How about is <laughs> I, I only got these uh, cards done for certain numbers. Here's the last one I got for you. Okay. One no, more. Number 60. Ready, set, go. Oh, my God. Number 60. <laughs> Fuck. I'm on the roster now. I, I, fuck, who knows who number 60 is? Dieter. Dieter nah, you got me. I'm, I'm, I don't know anybody number 60. So. <laughs> this is hilarious. Leroy Caffey? Leroy Caffey? Wally Chambers? Yeah, Leroy Caffey. I forgot that. about Cornelius Edison. Uh, Casey Wegman? <laughs> I, I liked Casey Wegman. Lance Thomas, our favorite bust of all time. Yeah, Lance Lewis, he was okay, I guess. Most of those guys, Terrence Metcalf. God, he was there a lot longer than I recall. Look at that. Look at that list, though. There's no one that's like anyone that's famous, like sticks in your head. That's a bear. Oh, Stan, Stan Thomas. That's the only one because he was a failure. Casey's the guy that Kruitz took his job. Right? That's right. He was yeah. a damn good offensive lineman. Kruitz took his job, and then Casey went on and played very well for the Chiefs. Hey, hey, look at that name, Leroy Caffey. I know damn well that's a white man. <laughs> he was acquired in a trade when the Bears lost a coin flip with the Pittsburgh Steelers. For Bradshaw. So for, yeah, the Steelers selected Bradshaw. The Bears then had the second overall pick. They traded for Leroy Caffey and a couple of other guys who were just fucking flops <laughs> there's nothing more bears like if you again i'm venting but so you lose the coin toss to bradshaw that happens right mm -hmm. so you lose out on terry bradshaw you have the best two players in the league at one point on the same team dick buckness and gail sayers you don't even get to one playoff game with them you get a quarterback who's got it all to win i don't care what anybody says and jay cutler you get one playoff victory out of it and, mm -hmm. and and now you got Justin Fields. I let's just hope you don't get rid of Justin, who's going to go and kick our ass somewhere else if we get rid of. Him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, have, I have a I have a tribute. It'd be like it'd be like walking over to North Korea and handing them a nuclear bomb. It'll fuck you up. <laughs> right. And why are you going to say a question for you guys? Uh, what number did Walter Payton wear before number? 34. You mean at Jackson State? No, on the Bears. He wore he wore he didn't wear 34 in preseason. Is that what you're saying? When he first got to the Bears, he did not wear number 34. He started off with a different number. Wow, Dan Aguirre, you should know this. How old are you, man? Me? I'm 48. 300 years I've old. not seen one game from the 1975 Bears. You can't find any games prior to 77. Uh, he didn't even so start in the game. He he probably I think he only had it for a very short period of time in training camp, only enough time to take a picture in. Yeah, I remember this story. Yeah, um, I'm going to take a guess and say it was number forty. Nope, I'm, I'll give you a hint. It was forty. Gail Sayers. That would have been retired probably by then. I don't think it's retired. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. It should have been right. It's in the twenties. It's in the twenties. Twenty-two. Ooh, ooh. you want Y'all want to get into a good argument? You want a good See, argument? Is correct. Stephen Me, 21. Got him glad he changed that. 
<laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I had to look it up, up too. Uh, I, I do remember that he wore a different number. I just had to look it up so I could be correct <laughs> when I asked the question. Who, who, who was the better running back, Gale Sayers or Walter Payton? I asked Mike North this question, someone that I didn't get to see Gale Sayers. I think I've asked Aldo that subsequently too. But I've Mike North it. says, if you take both guys, I know Mike's not here, but but I'm he's this is almost a quote. He says to me, if you take both guys, both guys are healthy, they're the same age, blah, blah, blah. He says he's taking Gale Sayers. I would too. I would too. I would too. I would. He was too explosive, man. That dude was entirely I've seen I've seen them all on tape. And other than uh Bo Jackson, both of those that was the absolute nuclear bombs that you have them involved in 80 yards can happen in a second. Yep. So that's why I don't understand the team wins the championship in 63. And two years later, they get Butkus and Sayers in the same draft. And they don't even go to one playoff game after that. So it's not like they're, they're coming to a team that, I mean, has never won or whatever. That They just come off a championship. And they can't even make one playoff game with these two guys. I mean, it's a sin that this was happening. Yeah, indeed. Which yeah. player do you think would have been better on the 85 Bears? Uh, uh, what was Peyton, 30 years old? Oh, Gail so let's, let's just say Gale Gale is Sayers. just the most explosive player that we let's ever say he's seen. never got injured. 30-year-old Gale Sayers on the uh, Walter was technically 32 on the 85 Bears because if you know the story, he he lied about his age. He was actually one he was born in 53, but even if you look at his Wikipedia or whatever pro football reference, it says he was born in 54 because they were trying to for some reason thought if they said he was younger, it would help him in his Heisman run at Jackson State. So his whole life, according to Jeff Perlman's book, he was one year older than actually people thought. So having said that. Super Bowl twenty, he was thirty two. Wow, we had we had three super duper explosive. Well, more than that, but there's three guys that are upper echelon explosive in the Bears history. He's he's number one, Gale Sayers. Devin Hester would be two, and I think you can throw Justin up in there, right about now. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think we're we're, we're downplaying Walter's greatness here a little bit. Though. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, man. Well, I really well, ain't, man. I'm just he's explosive. Explosive. Walter Payton wasn't. I mean, he was explosive in how he ran with the ball, how he would like play almost defense on offense, but he he didn't have that explosive speed and that burst like. He had an ER touchdown run in the playoff game against the Eagles in 79 that was negated by a bullshit penalty because that's, you know, that's the Bears for you. (laughs) Something like that always happens. Like, oh, there was – even the announcers are like, that's a terrible call, but it stands. So, but, yeah, your point is he's not the Kansas comma, but it's not like he's some scrub here either. Yeah, well, and I I, I like what St. Omni says. Sayers was the better running back, but Peyton was a better football player. I mean, yeah. I, I only saw Walter Payton throw one bad block in his history, and, and to this day, I think it was because his shoulder was hurting him, and he, and he was, you know, showing it. Uh, but that guy, he was, you know, I think Mike North maybe hit it also on on the head by saying one game, Gale Sayers, one season. I'm taking Walter. Um, durable, uh, played every facet of the game. If you needed him to kick. He, he could go out there. Now, Sayers could throw passes. I mean, he, he threw touchdown passes, just like Pey- Peyton. But uh, both of them, what, you know, geez, both of them are just phenomenal players. We've been so lucky to have great 
uh, running backs and fucked up coaches. <laughs> I mean, without a, without a shadow of a doubt, he is the best football player to ever lace him up for the Bears, period. Mm-hmm. He might have an argument in the top five to seven ever to play. Yeah. Yeah. Like what J2K and, says, he was, Neil Anderson was good, too. He's underrated. Well, Man, you know, I can jump good. on that real quick, but let me just say, Walter – it, the the greatness of Walter isn't because a lot of times when people die, they sort of oh well you know like uh, uh, he should win the Academy Award for playing the Joker just because he died that that fucking guy in Brokeback Mountain what was his name I, I forget Heath yeah. Ledger yeah it's like who man why does no he doesn't deserve a fucking Academy Award for this Walter's <laughs> greatness has nothing to do with the fact that he died wait a minute man you saw Brokeback Mountain Not at all. I did see Brokeback Mountain. It was better than his performance as Joker, which is it, it's a joke that people said that he should win the Oscar just because he died. But that's what I'm saying is Walter wasn't that guy. Walter's greatness had nothing to do with his premature death. Like Walt, people would say he was the best Chicago Bear of all time, even if he were still alive today. So it had nothing to do with him dying early. But uh, Neil Anderson, this is something I got to say. I loved number 35 at the time. But if you go back and watch these old games, things that I didn't realize at the time, and it's worth it's worth listening to because especially that Neil's coming after Walter Payton. Neil said over and over and over, I do not work out in the offseason. I do not run or catch at all until training camp. And every season he pulled his hamstring when he was the feature back because he didn't work out in the offseason. And you look at every playoff game he was in, he had about 30 yards rushing. That that's why we couldn't get over the hump because usually Muster's hurt and Anderson was you know thirty yards in a playoff game and a couple of that he always had hamstring pulls so uh, dare I say as much as I love Neil at the time and I still do but at the time I didn't realize because I was young and just loved him because he was Neil Anderson Neil right. seems kind of lazy yeah I mean if you don't work out the entire offseason and you're always bedeviled by hamstrings then maybe you should put some connect some dots together here. True. Yeah, man. Broke, back mountain. Broke back mountain reference. We had to get that back up there. <laughs> and Quagmire and Grive. It's an awful <laughs> movie. I, I've it, never it's seen. better than that uh, Joker thing, whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> I know what I'm working on. I, I got a project. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you do. I got to get Dan back for the fucking. Dan Tresper. Uh, hey, 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 honestly, honestly, is, can anybody for a, a amount of money? I don't, I don't know what happened in that movie, but I can you kiss a guy for a certain amount of money? Well, how much are we talking about? Oh, fuck that! Ten million bucks. <laughs> oh, no, let me just say this: you're getting ten I've million bucks. Never kissed a man, Nomad. I've what? never kissed a man, but I got to say this real quick: I, my Jeep. Is broken down right now, and I've got to get a fucking what a root canal. So <laughs> I need money like a motherfucker right now. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the amount here, if someone's gonna get my fucking root canal done for me, get me that cap and uh and make sure my Jeep's running, I'm liable to take some tongue right now because I'm comfortable with my oh, sexuality. But there's got to be some lines drawn in the sand. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Come on, no man, kiss me, man. man, hey, man. Would you suck dick or which one would you do? Which one would you do first? Make out with the guy for 
10 minutes or suck a dick for two. Oh, worse thing, worse than the dick or anything would be sucking a guy's toes. That would make I wouldn't do that for any amount of money in the world. Men have the worst feet, the worst fucking feet. I get pedicures and my feet still are disaster areas. No, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wait till that, I'm gonna wait till that light comes swinging down. I got a quick story for y'all, but I'll wait. <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl. I was there last week. I got in on Sunday. The fucking fog scared the shit out of me. The plane ride was awful, but I made it there safe and sound, and I was so fucking pleasantly surprised by the amount of talent there. I just want to talk about five players that I saw out there that I'd like you guys to know more about or you know if you know about these players please share with me uh so that way i can get a better picture one of the guys that i was most excited about just day one of practice all of a sudden start to take notice day two holy shit by day three i was in fucking love with the guy he is the center from minnesota named john michael shuts all accolades all american i mean you played in the physical you know blue collar style big 10 what was it like playing on the pj play I mean, he created a culture that, uh, there like no, uh, like nowhere else. Let's go. Learn from your past. Create your future. Got it? Let's go do this. I mean, it's a never give up mantra. Uh, everyone knows, row the boat. Uh, so, I mean, you're continually changing your best at a, a, a daily uh, basis. So, uh, the standard always rises. And uh, I love Coach Fleck, man. He's the best. What do you think you bring to the table that's different from the other offensive line? I mean, uh, my leadership, my toughness, uh, the way I finish plays, and the way I communicate, and yeah, the way I push, push people uh, to be uh, to be better. So yeah. Are there any areas of your game that you want to improve on this week? Yeah, I mean, going into the week, I had a, a couple things that I wanted to show scouts that I, I've been working on. It was definitely pass pro, definitely getting out in space. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to continue improving. I mean, we're going to learn from this practice and uh, continue to develop my uh, my skills. So, yeah, I'm excited. Are there any defensive linemen here that caught your attention during the first two days of practice? I mean, they're all good. I mean, it's best on best. So, I mean, uh, we're going against uh, some great competition. I'm not going to single anyone out, but they're really, they're both, uh, I mean, all the guys that I'm going against, they're really good. So. Yeah. I've seen okay. you push guys around today in practice. It was pretty incredible. It seems like you play with a lot of hostility. Is yeah. that fair to say? I mean, yeah. I mean, I love this game, and uh, I love uh, the physicalness. I love the, I love uh, uh, finishing the play, and that's that's what we do at the University of Minnesota, and that's what translated over here. So. Man, I I love that guy. This guy could step in. I know how many Chicago Bears fans dislike Sam Mustafer. This guy could make Sam Mustafer a distant memory day one. He is such a good fucking player. The attitude, the mechanics. Is he flawless? No. He's got some blemishes. He's gonna if he comes in at the Chicago Bears, he's gonna make a mistake here or there. But trust me when I tell you that this guy is a fast rising player and he is going to be a sensational center in the National Football League. Why does he have three names though? Any player like <laughs> Billy Joe Tolliver, Billy Joe Holbert, three names, never good. You're either a shitty football player or a serial killer. All the Aldo, could you please stay on this on this player until I come back? I gotta pop out for one minute. I'll be right back. 
Take care of business, brother. Um, <laughs> Can we just call him John? So, you know, another thing, three names. It sounds like a country singer. John Michael whatever from Nashville. Yes. You know, was, what's his last name again? Schmitz. Can we just call him John Schmitz then and drop this Michael thing? Well, it's not my call. <laughs> call him whatever you want. His agent. I want you as a bear, but I don't want you to have this three-name thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe his, maybe his mother's last name is Michael. Her name is like Sarah Michael, and she married, you know, uh, Paul Is there Smith. a hyphen? Schmitz? No. No. No hyphen. Yeah, so, yeah, no. I think Michael's his middle name then. Mm -hmm. Oh, remember the okay. famous Peter Tom Willis? What a bust he was. <laughs> One of the worst quarterbacks in Bears history, Peter Tom Willis. P.T. Willis. Yeah, but he lit it up in the Arena League, though. Sure effing did. P.T. <laughs> Willis, man. We've got a bad history with Arena League players and coaches, don't we? <laughs> the or CFL. It seems like we always get you know somebody like that. Yeah, I didn't trust to leave the Bears and go back to the same team in the CFL and win another championship. Probably. <laughs> yes. I think he did. By the way, that hell sucking dick thing has really resonated with people. Donald wants to know how old is the guy's dick. I would have to <laughs> <laughs> the age is the factor. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Case. You want a twenty-year-old dick, or you want an eighty-year-old dick? I guess that does kind of play into the factor, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's just say it's not children. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I would be willing to suck Aaron Rodgers' dick. You know, he's supposedly going to go Aaron. sit in the dark for four hours and contemplate retiring. That's what his story is. I hope he retires, but you know he's he's going to accept a trade of the Raiders or the Jets if that happens. So he he's not retiring. He just wants attention. He thinks he's the smartest guy in a room. And so what he's trying to do is fuck with the media so he can get all this attention. And he just laughs. He's got that stupid little smirk. Oh, they really think that I'm going to retire and say no to fucking $35 million a year. He's a fucking asshole. And yeah, now he's he doing this astrology thing. Did you see that? I did not. What, what, what's, what's his sign? Yeah, he's reading astrology charts on some woman's Wait, astrology we YouTube about? I was reading chat. We're Aaron talking about Rogers. Rogers. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. into he astrology. He says he's going to sit in the dark for four days, to, and he might retire, but he's going to mm -hmm. sit in the dark for four days to contemplate. Mm -hmm. yeah. on, on ayahuasca. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. PJ says that uh, – my man, John Michael Smith, has a baby-looking face. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's got that little baby face, but he plays like a stone-cold killer. Um, by the way, uh, the Tooch is here. Can I Tooch! Just me, uh, before Speaking of stone-cold killers, John Santucci. Bear Truth is on fire tonight. If you're watching Bear Truth in chat, he is on fucking fire tonight, man. He must have smoked a big old blunt. Before he joined, he came into chat tonight because he is just on a roll. I just want to let you know you're I, – I, I've been paying attention to you a little bit there, Bear Truth, and we're all good. <laughs> Tucci! Next time, highlight some of his, uh, his, his comments, and then we'll uh, show them with the audience. Um, Tucci, how are you, my friend? Good. I wanted to offer my condolences to Nomad uh, on the loss of his pops. Uh, you know, he uh, stepped away for a second, so uh, he, he's not hearing you right now. You have to run a quick little errand. He should be back in a minute. I, I never liked Nomad, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nomad. <laughs> uh, 
But how was the apparent teacher? Tooch, when Nomad comes back, we'll all have to be like, when 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 Nomad comes back, we'll all have to be like, oh yes, how you guys doing? How was the parent teacher conference? Were you expelled? No, no, they let me in. So. So uh, it's a teacher for yeah, both your kids, kids or, so, yeah, or the just teachers love, they love the girls and stuff, you know. Of course, of yeah. course, they do. They're, they're the cutest yep. kids I've ever seen. <laughs> All right, I got the uh, first state of affairs. If uh, our folks, are ready yeah, for... let's let's roll that and we'll get back to our uh, yeah. senior bowl profiles. So, uh, you got controls there, Tooch? Hold on, I gotta find it. Although, <laughs> I know we got so many fucking rollings there. I know. I right, have, hold to, on. have to alphabet, alphabetize them. I thought you, uh, you or Shorty was going to grab it. Okay, yeah, here we go. Shorty. What's happening, Barflies? Bear State of Affairs off-season week four. Well, it's Super Bowl week, and intrepid reporters are risking their careers by asking former Bears head coach and current Chiefs assistant coach and resident dumbass ballfuck Matt Nagy for some thoughts on his tenure as Bears head coach. In the interview, Nagy said that he wasn't really ready to be a head coach. Hmm, never would have guessed. Nagy also said that he considers <laughs> clear communication to be one of his strengths, but admits there were situations where it could have been better. I thought I was good at it, and I wasn't, he said. Wow, coach, because everyone else, we all knew that. <laughs> Nagy knows now, he knows that now, of course. He also wished he had beaten the Packers more. We all wish that too, coach. Moving on, former Bear Robert <laughs> Quinn will be the lone former Bears and current Eagles player playing in Super Bowl 57. The prolific pass rusher was interviewed by the Sun-Times' Patrick Finley, who told readers that Quinn was reportedly upset that the Bears traded him in the middle of the season. But since he is playing in a Super Bowl for the first time in his 12-year career, it kind of worked out. Robert, may your millions of dollars and Super Bowl ring should you win one comfort you in these dark times. Thank you for the 18-sack season. Not a lot of sympathy from some fans when you realize Bears great Dick Buckus never played in a postseason game. But best of luck to you. Along with former Bears bald fuck Matt Nagy, the Chiefs coaching staff includes former Bears special teams coach Dave Tobe and former Bears offensive lineman Andy Heck, who serves as the Chiefs offensive line coach. As well, there are three former Bears players playing for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Fullback Michael, I'm looking for someone to block Burton. Famous fumbler and sideline dancer and Dan Aguirre favorite wide receiver Amir Smith-Marset and perennial bench warmer and safety Dion Bush. Uh, also is Smith-Marset active? <laughs> or is he on the best? <laughs> wow. I was going to say that Bush is also a Dan Aguirre favorite. Yeah, George right. W. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Also, uh, adding intrigue to this year's Super Bowl, uh, this Super Bowl features the first time two black quarterbacks will start for opposing teams as Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts get set to square off in Super Bowl 57. 
As well, this will be the first time two brothers will oppose each other in the Super Bowl. As Travis and Jason Kelsey will play against each other for their respective teams. Also this week, there was plenty of talk about the Bears possibly landing a star wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins or possibly soon to be released wide receiver Keenan Allen. All of that is very exciting until you realize that wide receivers at that stage of their career really only want to go to Super Bowl contending teams. Well, let's go around the NFC North Division for a little news, shall we? Checking in with the Vikings, it appears that the Bears will be facing a new Vikings defense next season. Defensive coordinator Brian Flores will be taking over the defense up in Minnesota. All of this came as devastating news for Barfly Jordan Silvera, who wrote a lengthy Twitter thread on why the Bears should have hired Flores to be their defensive coordinator. Wishing you a speedy recovery, Jordan. We're still stuck with Alan, what's his name? Checking in <laughs> with Packers, Aaron Rodgers. This is great. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers will spend four days in a small house in complete darkness. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> right. Uh, appearing on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers said that prior to determining his path for the 2023 NFL season, he'll be going on a darkness retreat. That includes four nights of complete darkness. Rodgers gave no indication of his football plans on the show and said everything Retiring, playing for the Packers, playing elsewhere remains on the table. First, before making a decision on that, he'll be alone with his thoughts in a dark room in an unnamed location, and it will apparently occur soon. This is a case of life imitating art if I ever saw one, because a few weeks back, The Onion had this story. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers to decide future by consulting with the coven of trusted witches. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, uh, this is from The Onion. Rogers was quoted as saying, I need to take some time and consider what's best for me, whether that's returning to the Packers, looking for a trade, or even retirement, and I can't make that decision without input from the tight circle of omnipotent sorceresses who know me best, Rogers said, of a group of 8,000-year-old crones with whom he will spend several weeks in an undisclosed, uninhabited marsh as they read the entrails of sacrificed animal animals in order to divine his fate. Sounds a lot like Sunday's Grammy Awards ceremony. And checking in with the Lions. Ah, who cares about the fucking Lions? That is Bears State of Affairs! <laughs> uh, Tooch, you do know, you do know that The Onion is a satire newspaper. Right? Yeah, of course, but it happened okay. before this. The Onion was first. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was I life, missed that part. I'm life sorry. imitating arts. The Onion had it three weeks back. I getcha. Three, three weeks ago. <laughs> Three weeks ago, it had uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to consult with the Covenant Witches. And then today, he said, I'm going to sit in a fucking room in complete darkness to divine my fate. But I'm in head first. Wow. You can't make this shit up. You really can't. You know, whether, whether it's ayahuasca or If it helps whatever. him retire, so be it. <laughs> I don't want him to retire. I want to kick his ass first. Uh, but... I wouldn't mind not hearing his name again. <laughs> I've been saying that too. I want the Bears to start beating him the way they did Brett Favre toward the end. But fuck it. If you're telling me he's traded to the AFC and just get rid of him, then have at it. Go to Las Vegas. Go to the Jets. Just go the fuck on. Sorry, fellas. I'm back. I'm, I'm, took way longer than I thought it was going to take. I know, man. Uh, I, I was wishing you by uh, giving my condolences on the death of your pops. Very sorry. Two dog. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, 
no man i know uh, we we talked about john michael schmitz i know you uh you have looked at some tape of him and you want to share some thoughts i do yeah. man i mean the thing about him is I, look at his measurements we have that's six four three twenty and it's not really a fat three twenty that dude can move mm-hmm. he can really move and he specializes in uh wide zone blocking schemes he really he that's his tape lights up when he's into the run run game in wide zone schemes. He will admit to you that he uh, needs to work on his pass protection. But I watched him pretty closely in his pass protection at Minnesota. The thing that sticks out about our centers right now between Sam Mustafer, you know, basically Sam Mustafer is how much he got pushed back into the pocket. That's one thing you don't see with him. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that stands out on tape. When you start looking at tape of these guys, you start looking at traits, measurables, and all those kind of things and what they do well, what they don't do well consistently. And then you look at interviews and things like that. See, I didn't even know he was a um, he was a wrestler until a few days ago or, or when he was at the senior bowl. I had no idea. That is so much of an advantage. I can't even explain to you. When guys play in the trenches and have a history of wrestling, that's – Checkmark that. That's a big advantage for these guys. Leverage and hand usage and all that kind of stuff. Man, he is a solid fucking prospect for the Bears. And if if they get him, which I doubt they do, because I think he's going to be probably. I know the Steelers have a center problem, mm-hmm. and so I don't. I don't. I don't see him being available for the Bears. I just don't. Well, there are a number of good centers in this draft, but I really want him. I'm hoping he's available at the end of that second round uh, when we have that uh, Steelers pick. So we'll see. Uh, of course, you know, the, the expectation is that the Bears are going to trade down and get a bunch of picks. Uh, so whatever happens, hopefully he is on the board. All right, let me talk about my next play here. Um Tajay Spears is a running back who I think could step in and be the number one running back for the Chicago Bears. I talked to him. The first guy I talked to was Tajay. I saw him up at the convention center. Here's my interview with him. Tajay, uh, when the scouts ask you what was your most uh, prolific game, the game that you want them to look at the tape and say, this is who I am, what game do you cite and what reason? Uh, USC. Third down and eight. They got to get to the nine to pick up the first down. It's caught. Oh, great move by Spears. Still on his feet. No hangover from that Utah game, and here's Spears out into the secondary. Man, he popped the clutch. Spears broke a couple of tackles. Happy New Year! Look at him right down the middle. We call him Tajay Shakespeare's, and he's got the moves, guys. I'm telling you, speed, power. Family watching in attendance. Here he is. Daddy, you proud of that? Touchdown, Tulane. It was just, uh, I just felt like I was at my best at that game. When my last game, of course, was a team. Uh, I didn't have to play it, but I, I did. I still like to play it, and I, you know, wanted to fight with the team and make sure I finish the right, finish off the right way with my brothers. When uh, a scout says, uh, scout yourself, what are your positives and what are things you need to work on? Um, my positives that I'm going to give you all I got. I'm going to catch the ball out of the backfield. I'm going to pass, bro. I'm going to run between the tackles. I'm going to do whatever it is for the team. I really don't have too many negatives, but it's, I, it's, a room, it's room for improvement for all those things. I don't really have too many negatives. 
There you go. Uh, and what do you hope to prove here this week? At I can do it all. I can do it all. All right. Good luck all. to you, brother. I appreciate it, man. And he's number 22 from Tulane, like Matt Forte. Oh, excellent. You caught that, huh? A number ride. How about that? Dan's <laughs> <laughs> still all. playing the game. <laughs> Great fucking interview, man. Good good job getting to, I Man, dude, although I'd probably tear off one of these fucking limbs on me just to get down there and talk to some of those dudes, man. I'm so glad somebody from the fucking bar room got a chance to go down there and speak to these young guys. My God. That must have felt good. Tajay Spears, man, let me tell you something about that guy. Watching mm-hmm. him on tape. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm looking at Tajay Spears in practices. I'm 185. Somewhere in between 180 and 185. That dude's not that much bigger than me. He's about probably 190, 195. However, what he makes up for, he can make up for that. And the strength in his legs is, oh, my God, this dude breaks tackles. He, he, and I was asking you on um, in, in our private chat, check, check him out in uh, pass protection. I went back and started watching games, and he is solid. He will step up and stamp you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's a, um, an every down back. I'm going to tell you right now, I think he's a third down back. I think he can grow into an every down back as his, as his, you know, his physical weight starts to pick up. I mean, natural, natural physical weight starts to pick up. And he just gets better at what he does. I think he can emerge as a, a three-down back in this league. I, I I just think his legs are elite. His bursts, and when he sees a crease, he explodes in it. And his hands are elite. Yeah, and he, he weighed in at the Senior Bowl at uh, 204 pounds, which is normal. You know, these guys, if their, their agents will tell them, you need to bulk up, you need to do this. And, and these guys are – body weight is going to change at the combine. He might be even heavier, you know, um, as, and so I think it was J rock said, you know, a starting running back at that weight, 190, whatever it was, you know, I, I think that the rules have changed, you know, and I'm not, when I say a number one running back, he's still going to share, you know, he's, he's going to touch the ball 15 times as a number one running back. And the other back, Khalil Herbert, would touch it 15 times, 12 times, and so forth. It's it's who you want out there in crunch time. Uh, that first series and in crunch time is the most valuable thing. And Tajay Spears makes people miss. He's got great feet. Uh, he's just an exciting back. Uh, St. Omni, I love, I love the comparison there, uh, Alvin Kamari. I mean, that is a really good uh, – uh, a, a comparison. So, uh, how, how tall is the kid? He, um, officially, it, it's weird because I felt like I was taller than him. I don't know who the fuck was doing these measurements down there, but he came in at exactly, let's see, five, five, nine and a half. And so that's you know about what he reminded me of when I, when I saw the footage you were showing. Cause again, I don't watch college football. And maybe maybe you and Tooch will, will remember this. I'm not sure about the other other two gentlemen. No offense, uh, but he reminded me of Joe Morris from the Giants. Okay, who was like five eight, two hundred pounds, but he had big ass calves and big like legs and had some power. So that's who I thought of immediately. He reminded me of Joe Morris. Yeah, I, I, love... I, I can see that. Go ahead, go ahead, Otto. No, I was just gonna say I, I could see that that comparison that player comp. I'm just excited by him, man. I saw him escape tacklers and do some really 
fascinating things. It's that feeling that you get when I when I saw Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech uh, play. It's that feeling that you get. Is that oh, this guy is doing shit that's different, man. This guy is 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 really a, a phenomenal type player. And I I think that the Bears need playmakers, guys that you know you give them the ball and sixty yards to a touchdown. You know, although man, I, I I love this cat, man. I I love everything about him. You you watch the tape, is you're gonna find more and more. I mean, if you really watch the tape, I'm not one of those guys that you know turns on YouTube and clicks in a name and starts watching a whole bunch of highlight videos. That's fine. I, I watch some of those sometimes, but I go sure. right to games and mm-hmm. see what they actually do in games for the duration. The thing about him and I this. Really, nothing about him I don't love, but I'm being honest with you. GMs and and, and team personnel, they're not really big on sub-200-pound running backs as, as three-down backs. And I think you got to be honest with you. When you got somebody as big as a Fred Warner or a Tremaine Edmonds, you're you talking about really big dudes screaming down on you in a, on, a, on a zero blitz mm-hmm. or double-A gap blitz or something like that. He's going to get mowed down. As tough as he is, he he will get mowed down. Most running backs will, yeah. and so that's that's the only thing I worry about with him. Everything it's else about him, I absolutely love. Yeah, it's a legit concern because if you acquire a, a, a Tajay and you got Kilo Herbert as your backup, you really don't have that power back for a third and one. You know, for short yardage situations, um, Fosk. I mean, excuse me, Spears will tell you that he can pick up those tough yards. Everybody will, right? But uh, they don't have that David Montgomery ability. Spears is a little Tariq Cohen-ish, too. Yeah, Yeah, that's where I was about to go. I apologize. I was a lot bigger than Cohen, though. I was getting static in my ears. Like, it just went static. So I had to bug out and reset my computer. So I'm glad you're still on Tajay Spears because I see some of what you just said, too, Dan. A little bit of Tyreek Hill. A little bit of spark plug that you can add to the offense as, like, a third down back or, like, a specialty player someone you can plug in in different situations. He's not your power back, of course, but he's he's quick and he's got good feet. He's shifty. I, li- I like him a lot. Yeah. He's an exciting player, man. And All at right, the very least, even if you had him and Herbert and then you sign you know, someone like Josh Jacobs, for example, uh, <laughs> if you're going to lose David Montgomery, because <laughs> Ebner, I, I don't think Ebner has it, your third back. I, 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 I think agree. Ebner is, ha- does not have it. I think he got too heavy in the offseason. I think he was trying to build He's on eating pizza, pizzas. I think he got I think if you look at him and look at his now, I mean you look at his this year's tape versus his um last year's tape with uh Baylor, he's a totally different build. Totally. He got I think he got bulky for the purposes of maybe he thought pass protection was his weakness. And the team probably told him the same thing. That's what I interpreted it as, but because his body type was absolutely different than the one he had at Baylor. And so I think he was trying to answer a bell or something. He's heavier up top, right? Woke up, and so you can be able to hit those uh, gaps when those guys come screaming down on you. Yeah. Mm. Well, give me some playmakers, man. So here's a guy who is a playmaker on defense. Uh, Probably Tooch knows this guy really well because he plays at Iowa State. Will McDonald. Does here on the second rush. I'll try a little inside counter. Hey, Will, talk to us about your game. What are you uh, most proud of and uh, some of the things that you w- would like to improve? Uh, I kind of want to improve in, like, every aspect of my game, uh, whether it's pass rush, 
uh, run, um, coverage drops. Um, there's always room to improve. You know, I never see myself as excellent, so I always want to improve in every aspect to get one percent better. Picking up right where he left off. There's the spin that's just Ooh. nasty. That is nasty. Well, you made the point earlier and yesterday about the spin, that if you're going to spin, you need to be in tight, not with distance. Watch how Get tight right he is there. right to him and then spin. You don't want to do it too early. You're not uh, when I face adversity, you know, I always, I always try to be calm. I always try to be calm in a poised uh, manner. Uh, keep myself dif uh, disciplined. I always try to be comfortable in the most uncomfortable situations. So I never want to lose my poise and I always want to do my job correctly. I'm not really scared to, uh, to get down in the five to go to zero, three touch. Uh, I, I'll definitely do it. I want to be that type of versatile player where you know I, I can play any type of uh, position. Um, so that gets me knowing my. I I I like to know where my defense help is, so I know the correct place where to go. And just in case the man go down, you know I I can always be the backup. Toot, you seen this guy play at all? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, you know, both the Iowa, uh, Iowa and Iowa State had really good defenses this mm -hmm. past season. You know, he was a big part of Iowa State, but I, I'm not sure he would fit over here. At this, he seems more like a three-four build uh, linebacker, but uh, uh, certainly maybe come in as a pass rush specialist. You know, I mean, he can't. He's probably the same size as Dominique. Uh, was it Dominique Robinson? That's already on the Bears. Yeah, he's maybe he's a little bit smaller. Yeah. He's, he's just a little bit smaller, and uh, but the the guy is a, a an athletic freak. I mean, the guy is yeah. you know, and, and you know who he reminds me of is Leonard Floyd a little bit. You know that slender, tall, small, yeah. power forward type of build, and yeah. they had him at Iowa State playing in the middle. They had it playing on the edge. They they moved him around all over the place. So yeah. he's that kind of versatile player. If the Bears are going to draft somebody like him, it's like Danny Shimon says. Yeah. Uh, you need to talk to your coaches and say, how are you going to use this guy? Because it's he's just not a guy that you line up in one position and playing the entire game. You've got to use him creatively. Uh, he could be, you know, a, a pass rusher who who gets, you know, tons of sacks. Uh, Jordan says he's smooth as they come. Seeing him more of a rover in a 3-4 will be worried about asking him to set the edge in this defense. And I think that's a, that's a good point. That's a, that's a yep. very good point because he doesn't have that strength yet. You know, it, it, it's almost like he can contribute right now, right away in many instances, but he does need to add more power uh, uh, and more muscle to his frame. I like, uh, I like the defensive end on the Hawkeyes, the uh, Lucas Van Ness. That dude's an animal. He's a beast. He's no like doubt about J, it. Uh, Hercules. He's like a J.J. Watt Rosa brother. Where do you project him to go? I think he's a second-round pick. I really do. I think uh, there is so much buzz about this guy right now. Uh, he might even he be a first-rounder. Round. He's going to be a first-rounder. Yeah, he could be a first-rounder. I wouldn't touch him in the first round, that's for sure. But He, uh, he is special, man. I I was a – you know, I'm – you know, so many people on Twitter, you know, I get so tired of the Will Anderson and – Jalen Carter, everybody acts like those are the two only two players on planet Earth and shit, and, you know. But when you study them, they are legit special players, both of them. However, as you do continue to watch the tape and continue to study guys versus another, 
man, they won't be missing a goddamn thing if they miss Will Anderson and landed on Jalen Carter, even if they're in a 4-3 defense. What you do when you have a guy that special is you adjust your fronts to fit him. He is, he is like Jordan said, he is going to be a liability early in run defenses. He, he, he can't set the edge. He's too light. He's going to get mowed out of the way. He's going to get pushed around. But when you need a pass specialist, you need to get to that quarterback on a third and eight, third and nine, and you need that dude, you need to close that pocket. This dude is absolutely a freak of nature as far as his ability to be able to – and you're talking about his, his uh, primary move to a secondary move is so fucking fast, and he's got a multitude of them. He can go from a power rush with the long, stiff arm. He can go from that to, to a swim over. He can go from the stiff arm to a spin. I mean, and it's lightning quick. This dude is special. 42-inch vertical at the line of scrimmage. 42-inch vertical. That is special. This yeah. dude is different. I don't care what anybody says. If we miss Will Anderson, so what? This dude right here is going to be a game changer. I promise you that. I worry about the Bears coaches, again, being able to utilize someone where they have to game plan how to actually, you know, like it's not to use the same word over, but to utilize someone. I mean, you look at Leonard Floyd. It felt like that the Bears didn't know what to do with him, and and that that's who he looked like. And Leonard Floyd's a Super Bowl champion now, so I'm not saying he was a bad player or a bad pick even, but it felt like the Bears didn't know what to do with him. You have Tariq Cohen. I know it's a different side of the ball. In 2017, look explosive. So as soon as we get Nagy, what do we do? We run him straight up the middle constantly. It's like they didn't know how to use him. And when Julius Peppers was here, he was uh, he goes to Green Bay, and suddenly they know exactly how to scheme for him. And it just feels like the Bears never know what to do when they have a guy that has to be you know, catered to a little bit. So that worries me. If you tell me Matt Eberflus and, and Allen Williams have to – use some unique strategy to take this guy to the next level, then I worry about it. I'm I'm just being real with you. Again, and, and the thing about that is the thing about that is, I mean, I get the comparison. The measurables are are pretty much you you can't get past that. But the, the difference between those two guys is uh McDonald has a bag. Uh and he's got a bag bag like he can reach in and he he can give out Christmas gifts, dude. He's got it. Leonard Floyd did not. He did not. He was pretty much a one-trick pony. That's true. Leonard Floyd always appeared to me like he should have been a wide receiver. He had that skinny ass, those skinny hips, and he ran fast. Just make him – he was tall. Just make him a wide receiver. Maybe he had shitty hands, and they're like, you have to play defensive end. I don't know, but – and if he were sitting here now, he'd be flashing you his Super Bowl ring with the Rams and not the Bears, which makes me very unhappy. Exactly. I know. There's a there's a handful of guys that in every draft that I think are special and different. Mm -hmm. He lands in that category with Trenton Simpson, um, Jalen Carter, um, Tuli to a below two. Um, there's a there's a couple other guys I'm probably not mentioning. Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of guys. Oh, Habakkuk Baldonado, he's a he's a something else. That something else, man. He's, he's like having a guy Habakkuk. with three arms Hold and three legs, man. Everyone give Nomad a round of fucking applause for saying that name correctly. You practiced Habakkuk. that, my friend. Put some Habakkuk. effort into that. 
Habakkuk Maldonado, man. He made me think of former baseball player Candy Maldonado when he said that. But Abacoot? Abacoot Yeah, Major League Baseball players, Candy Maldonado. Can you, uh, Nomad, can you pronounce the kid's name from Northwestern? Hell no. Call him Tommy. (laughs) Hell no. Uh, He's somebody we'll be talking about in an upcoming show. Let me, uh, Turn my attention now to a guy with an easier name, although it is unique. Yaya Diaby uh, from Louisville. This guy is definitely a day three pick. This guy is not going to come in and light things up fire immediately, but he's got the physical traits to develop into someone special. And uh, he really was my favorite interview my entire time there. And I'll talk about that on the other end. Let's start with this. Those kids. Oh, yeah, <laughs> What's hey. going on with those? Oh, these are my uh, nice little, nice little uh, Black Panther, Black Panther Crocs, you know. Wakanda, Wakanda forever, man. And I love that movie. That's awesome. They look cool on you. Thank you, sir. Uh, talk to me about your game. What is it that you're most proud of? And what are a couple of things perhaps that you need to work on? Um, there's always something to improve on with me. I feel like I'm not where I need to be right now, so I always feel like I can improve on things. But as of my game right now, you know, I'm just a dominant player. Um, I like I like getting to the quarterback. That's what I like to do. Said he's getting better every week. I'm going to keep working on it at the next level when I get to the next level and just keep improving. And it's never, it's never a, a thing where you can be like, oh, I'm done, I'm satisfied. That, that's not how I operate. So, yeah. How badly do you want to, do you want this? Do you want, do you want to play in the NFL and excel? How badly do you want it? I want it, I want it bad. I want it bad. I just, not just for me, but for my mom, you know. She's she done a lot for me, and what I did growing up, the sacrifice she had to make to just be able to just provide for me and my siblings. So it's just not it's not about me. It's about it's about the people people who care about me and the people who just my family. Um, can you recall a moment in a game where you faced adversity, and how did you react to it? In a game. In a game, yes. I would say I would say uh, one of our games, um, North Carolina State, we played against NC State, where it was my senior night, and and I was just I was just getting close, getting short, getting to the quarterback, and and he was just via via a butt and just throw the ball away, and and I was getting frustrated, but you know. I had to just look past that and just actually say it's not about me. It's about it's about the, it's about the team. So just make plays and, and we actually came out with the win. Uh, of all the teams that you've talked to, has one particular team or two stood out to you in terms of what they asked you and how they treated you? I would say um, the New York Giants and uh, Seahawks. The Seahawks. Yeah, those two. I'm disappointed to hear you didn't say the Chicago Bears because I'm a Bears fan, but that's cool. <laughs> hey, hey, and the Chicago Bears want me. Hey, um, you got. It. All right. So that when he mentioned his mom, which he did right away, and so you know it's totally authentic. Um, 
it, it, he struck a chord with me because I lost my mom recently. And so as soon as I put the camera down, I, I mentioned that to, to him that I got a little choked up. And the, that big man, six foot four, 245 pounds, he puts his arm around me and he says, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, wow, what a nice guy to do that. This guy's got the character, the temperament, the willingness to do, to sacrifice, to be great. He's, he's definitely somebody that I'm keeping an eye on day three. And I'm telling, if I'm in that draft room, I'm saying, can we bring Diaby in now? Can we bring Diaby in now? I want him badly for this team. Uh, you know, he he's just a special kind of a dude. And you want guys like that in your locker room. Uh, there might be some other better players, but maybe nobody of, of, of higher character than Yaya Diaby in my book in the limited time that I was uh, uh, exposed to him. Good guy. Um, would you allow Chicago me to be Bears. slightly, slightly, slightly long-winded? I'm not going to take long, but I'm going to – I got go I got to embellish right here because what's funny is, although I, I got to – I got this big long – I got this notebook with all these different players in to watch, and I watch games, man, so it takes me a while. I don't watch all these little quick videos and shit like that. I watch games to see what they do. Although when – when you got down there, I got to Yaya Diaby. What is his name? Diaby? Yaya Diaby. Diaby. I got to him, and I started watching him and watching him and watching him, and then I seen that video that you put out there about him consoling you about your mother. I'm just like, ooh. And this is in the middle of me beginning to watch this guy. I was just like, okay, check. That's a big check character. But and I'm, I'm, while I'm watching him, he's got his pads on. He's playing games. And I don't know anything about what he looks like. Any of it. I'm looking at his body type and his traits. And I'm saying while I'm watching these games, who, who the fuck does this dude remind me of? And mm, not that long ago, I came up with Bruce Smith. And then I came out of watching his games, his full games, and started you know, Googling his name or YouTubing his name. And then his uh, his uh, press conferences where he was talking in front of a camera. It's like this dude looks exactly like Bruce Smith. That's, I'm thinking this shit in my head, and I see a picture of him, and he's talking. Look at that dude. Look that at him. So true. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Man, that dude, yeah. dude. You go back and frame. Just, just go back and look at that interview, and freeze frame as, as best you can a full body type. Mm -hmm. Don't think about what he is right now. Think about what that body's gonna be as it matures. Right. Mm -hmm. He's gonna be on the inside, Jack. Awesome name too. I'm a big name lover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Right imagine, that. imagine. We might, we might not get Will Anderson. We may not get Jalen Carter. Imagine getting a Yaya Diaby with that size and that power and a Tuli Tuipilotu on the other side, crashing down on the edge. While we got a Keanu Benton or somebody like that, and a, a big one of those other big nose tackle man, dude, there is so many more seriously good, Clear. talented dudes in this draft than the, the guys that we focus on day in and day out. That guy Everyone's has some possibility. On a big name. When you, can I, I have to play devil's advocate. Just, I'm sorry, Dan. I was gonna say just to play devil's advocate. I, I, I didn't watch the tape. Everything Nomad said. 
could be right. I'm not taking exception to anything. He said, I'm not discrediting anything. He said, the only thing I just want to point out, Bruce Smith was the number one pick in the fucking draft out of Virginia Tech. And Aldo said, at best, this kid's going to be a third-day draft pick. So I, I, that's the only thing I thought, well, if we're comparing it to Bruce Smith, Bruce Smith was the first player in the draft. So maybe that's not a fair comparison in that regard. But that, that's just playing body devil's type. advocate. We were just talking about body types and what he what he appears to be. When I look at him on tape, when I look at him on, on tape, I seen Bruce Smith in college at Virginia Tech. Bruce Smith was very sudden. He, I mean, snapping that ball and he's on you, leaning on you, crushing that pocket. That guy's got to get there. I'm not comparing him and saying he's going to be great like Bruce Smith. I'm saying the body type, the measurables, the traits. I saw Bruce Smith, and I hadn't seen that guy's face. And when I saw his face, and it was just like, it blew me the fuck away. I was like, oh, that's weird. He, he looks like exactly him. like Bruce Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt asked a question to you, Nomad. Do you feel that uh, defensive ends built like Bruce Smith would be successful in the new style NFL? No question, especially in this type of defense that, that Matt Eberflus runs. He, he would prefer your heavier defensive ends, the guys in the 270, 290 range, guys that can absolutely collapse a pocket from the edge while the inside is getting pushed immediately. Think about um, think about that question that you just asked me and think about what you just saw in the playoffs between the uh, Cowboys and the 49ers. I mean, we're talking about 1,001, 1,002, and, and somebody like uh, what's number 11 on the Cowboys? Uh, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, he's touching that quarterback or getting right there near him and making that guy step up. 49ers you had uh bosa or you had the other guy on the other side of that ball 1001 1002 he's touching these are big guys on the edge mm -hmm. hey did you he's all so, see not, yeah, to change the, not to change the subject but when you mentioned micah parsons it made me think he referenced fields uh i think it was after they beat tampa bay and in preparation going to their second playoff game where they ended up losing but he said on Twitter it would be crazy for the Bears to get rid of Fields. And that was the guy that played against him in the regular season. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yep, yeah, sure. I saw that. I did not, but the, who was it? I think it was the Windy City Productions put together a really nice tape where he got all of these players and, and analysts and so forth praising Justin Fields and cut it with nice music and highlights and stuff. It's a really, really nice uh, production. Find that over at DWC Productions. I'm pretty sure he was the guy behind it. I think I tweeted it out, but it was, this was about a week ago. So Parson uh, said it on Twitter, actually. Okay. It was his uh, verified account uh, where right. it was legit. Right. Um, and I'm just saying, I think uh, the Windy City guy had that Parsons thing as part oh, of gotcha. his of his clips. Gotcha. Um, all right, let's uh, move on. Another player that, uh, frankly, you know, I watch a lot of Notre Dame, grew up watching a lot of Notre Dame, and so I was always fascinated by Isaiah Foskey, and I was really looking forward to seeing him at the Senior Bowl. And he was uh, Jim Nagy, who runs, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl, picked him as the lead speaker when he appeared, when when um, uh, Nagy appeared to talk to the media, he had two players, Max Dugan, the quarterback from TCU, and Foskey talk. And um, 
I'll tell you my impressions of Foskey after I roll this. One of the best pass rushers Notre Dame has had over the last decade. Step up and through and cannot. 11th game with a sack since 2021. Down goes Drake May. It'll be fourth down. Pressure look for Notre Dame and pressure's going to get home. Isaiah Foskey tries to stay and, uh, I'm just curious, what do you think about your game will translate best to the NFL? Uh... Part of my game that I translate best to the NFL is just getting to the quarterback no matter, like, any type of way. But that's what I'm good at. That's what a lot of people see on film is just getting to the quarterback. That's what a lot of edge rushers, you know, dream about. That's what they're always working on with passion specialists. And I feel like I just do a great job just having natural talent to get to the quarterback. And the punt is blocked. Chris Duro's punt is blocked. Isaiah Foskey blocked it. I like kickoff and pump return a lot, but any special teams, I'll, I'll be willing just to help the team out to win the game. But pump return, I love pump return. This year, I was able to block two punts, which was just a life or game-changing type of thing. And blocking punts is always fun, so I like pump return a lot and kickoff, too. Plants himself zone behind it. Here's Frigo with pressure in his face. Isaiah Foskey drops him for a sack. How do you feel like your college coaching staff and really that whole experience at the collegiate level has prepared you into taking that next step going to the NFL? I feel like it prepared me a lot since our DC was Coach Golden. He came from the Bengals at the Super Bowl and then went straight to Notre Dame. So he brought like that NFL type mindset right when he stepped in the Notre Dame to be our DC. He pretty much set that mindset for the whole defensive staff, for the whole D-line, linebackers, back seven. So that was like a good trend transition into like the NFL where my mindset already coming into the season trying to like have the best season so I can have the best uh, shot to go to the NFL and get drafted to the highest. I'm interested anyone who who has uh, evaluations on Foskey I'm interested in hearing them I just want to say that my experience watching him at the senior ball is disappointed you know in that there's a tape that went viral, Dewan Jones, the big six foot eight, I mean, mammoth, mammoth offensive tackle, ate him up on a couple of one-on-ones. And I think that almost, you know, uh, impacted his play the rest of the week. Not to say that he didn't have good moments uh, senior bowl practice week. He did. But I expected to see more out of him because this was his opportunity to seal, you know, a a – you know, maybe becoming a top 15 pick. I don't see that. He's probably still going in the first round, but it'll be the bottom 15 as opposed to the top 15. Any of you guys uh, seen Foskey and want to offer some thoughts? Absolutely. Um, he He's not – If out of all the guys you sent me, that you sent me the names of, that's the guy. be honest with you, I'd rather see him as a stand-up Will linebacker being be, – <laughs> Quite frank with you. I'm not saying that he wouldn't. Go ahead, man. No, I just said really. No, I I, I don't think I don't think he's he's dynamic as a, a pass rusher. I don't think he's dynamic at all. I think he's um he can get away with that long arm, stiff arm to power, crushing you and pushing you back into the quarterback. And when he doesn't get away with that, he doesn't have a secondary move to get off of it and really change the dynamics of that play quickly. He's got that and maybe a, a hop step, try to get around a, a, a tackle to get in. If, if that tackle mirrors him and gets him off of that quarterback, 
he is out of the play. He is out of the play. Tell you the truth, I think he's an outside linebacker and he's fooling himself. I think he's he's got I think Yaya Diaby has much more of an upside as an edge uh um candidate to be drafted. Nah, I'm not that big on him. Tooch, you seen him play at all? You have any thoughts on him? A little bit. I, I, I didn't think – I'm kind of on Nomad's side as well. Uh, I'm not sure he's a fit for the Bears, you know, especially since we went to a 4-3. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Is there, there some other dudes at the senior bowl, maybe like the uh, linebacker from Cincinnati or the uh, Bowling Green defensive lineman that might be better fits? Uh, uh, Pace, uh, Ivan Pace, Cincinnati, or Carl Brooks? Yeah. Bowling Green, uh, you could get later on, might have a, a be a little bit better fit. All right, let me go. I think that's four I knocked out of there. So let me go on to the fifth. Do I have a fifth? Let's see. I did Schmitz. I did Foskey. I did Spears. I did McDonald. I did Diaby. I did all five. How about that? I was gonna, um, uh, you got some uh, some of the wide receivers like uh, uh, Jaden Reed or, or Tank Dell. Hold on, hold on. Before you get there, Tooch, I got one for yeah. you all, though. Yep, please do. I got, I got, and, I, and I've been studying this dude for two years. Mm-hmm. He shows up at the Senior Bowl where Aldo is, and I want to kind of interview Aldo here just quickly. I'm sorry, Aldo. I don't mean to catch you off guard, but all right. I've been watching Illinois players like a motherfucker, mm-hmm. and I know, I know my our fan base because they're 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 friends of mine, and we are all cool with each other. And everybody wants to see Chase Brown here. Mm-hmm. Chase Brown is you. You talk about Illinois players. That's going to be the first name that pops up. But I got to tell you guys something. You really want to be serious about? I'm not saying that we can't target Chase Brown, but if you want to talk about an Eberflus guy, mm-hmm. fucking brother on the other side of the ball, Sidney Brown. Fashion, yeah, in zone scheme concepts. In zone mm-hmm. concepts in a four three, he is absolutely an Eberflus guy because he could because he takes the ball away and he plays the ball so well. This dude right here, I know we have a strong safety in Jaquan Brisker, but in our style of defense, you can play with multiple safeties in different positions. That's the that's the beauty of a four three that I'm used to playing in, that you can play different traits guys in different spots in the secondary. You might call him a safety. Somebody else might call him a slot. Whatever. But you can you can fuck around with these type types of guys that know how to play in space and in positions. And it's he's an absolute fit for the Chicago Bears. And it's it'd be foolish not to draft him if you get in position to grab him. He is he is an absolute stud when it comes to zone defenses. It'd be awesome yeah, I got- to have both of them on the same team. Yeah, would be, but I got to tell you, I was not impressed with Chase Brown. I mean, I, and I, I saw a number of Illinois games this season, and I was impressed with him. But there, playing it against higher-level competition on a practice field, he just was not holding up as well as I expected him to because I, I had my eyes on him. I was really thinking about maybe this is a replacement for a David Montgomery. This is a, Maybe this is an addition to in, a, in, a, in the running back room. And one of the things that I saw about Chase Brown is that he just was not a consistent uh, pass blocker. I mean, he was being embarrassed a couple of times. So <laughs> there you go. Don Burr just said it. He cannot block. 
And so um, I'm scratching them off my list. You know, like uh, I've learned from Greg Gabriel that uh, scouting departments will not put certain players up on their list because they've got some flaw that is very difficult. So maybe not take them off the board completely. You know, if you're desperate for a running back uh, in the seventh round and he's there, maybe that's the choice and and work on his blocking. Um, But there's, there's so many other running backs. I think this is a really deep running back class that's coming out in this draft. I actually think that you may not even need Sorry to burst your bubble, Dan Aguirre. You may not even need to to sign a Josh Jacobs. You could potentially, if you trade down and build some draft capital, you could potentially draft a starting running back in the third round who could be a Josh Jacobs type, who could be a a legit starter. And then you you save that $15 million that Josh Jacobs could potentially make, $12 million, whatever it is. Um, You know, I, I... I would not at all be surprised if that's part of Ryan Poles' game plan because he wants to still have flexibility with the salary cap and he doesn't want to blow his wad $10, $12, 15000000 million on a running back. That just doesn't happen in the NFL for teams that are far away from winning. If you're talking about a team that has cap space and all they need is a running back, then Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley should be the guys those teams look for. But the Chicago Bears and the situation that they are in now, they have to think in terms of being economical and finding gems. And if this scouting department is as good as he thinks it is, the gems are there to be found. I'm going to take a quick exception to that. And, Please do. And, and just playing devil's advocate again. Just Again, not saying you're wrong on anything you just said, but – I mean, look at Jacksonville was like the laughing stock of the league there for a couple of years, and they made it to the second round of the playoffs seemingly overnight. And it's not like the Bears are in a division that is as weak as the AFC North, but or South rather. But if Rodgers gets traded, and then you know Goff played much better with Detroit, they're on the upswing. Minnesota's probably going to fall off a little bit. They had all those one point, you know, really close wins. So what I'm saying is the Bears are in a division where they could potentially be one of these teams that makes a quick turnaround, especially when you've got all that money, you got the first pick in the draft. I mean, there's a lot of reason to have optimism. But again, you could be right. They might say, well, that we're still going to try to sustain this for two or three years of just being okay and turning a profit, which I hope they don't. But maybe they think that that's part of the plan is this is four, three, four years away. I, I certainly hope not. Because if anything... The Jaguars showed you that it could be a lot quicker than you think if you've got your quarterback, and I think that we do in number one. Not only division, Dan, but conference. The The NFC conference is weak as far as all of the quarterbacks are on the fucking AFC. That's true. Especially if Rodgers leaves and goes there, then what do we have? Jalen Hurts? We, I was going to say you got Philadelphia – and, and you have to think San Francisco would still be back if they could get their quarterback situation settled. Uh, but I don't know. Well, if I can make one more point, I was thinking about when Tooch was talking. I think it was Tooch. Someone referenced uh, the Bears switching back to the 4-3. And I was just thinking what I would like to see with any of these guys, because I don't watch college football, just in my lifetime. Richard Dent has been the only guy in my lifetime that got consistent pressure 
as a member of the Chicago Bears. Now, you had Mongo and Hampton making huge contributions, eight or nine sacks. But in terms of every year, this guy's going to get you 13, 14, 15 sacks. That was Richard Dent. You had Robert Quinn one season. When when we first switched to the 3-4, I had all these images in my head of the Steelers from the mid-'90s with like Greg Lloyd and, and Kevin Green when they were called Blitzburg. And I was like, man, we're going to pressure the quarterback now. It's going to be like the 85 Bears. We're going to hit motherfuckers. No, we didn't. Mac didn't do much here. Before that with the 4-3, Peppers didn't do much here. And now we're back to the same 4-3 that refuses to blitz. So I'm for anybody at this point, anybody you can show me tape of that's going to hit the fucking quarterback, please, let's draft him. I, I will I will tack, I will tackle <clears throat> your point in just a minute. But first, let me, let me tell you why I know for pretty much a fact they're going to go running back in free agency. because Unless they go – with the back of the stature and the traits of a Tavion Thomas from y'all help me out in the chat. I can't remember the school he went to. Tavion Thomas has the size and the traits and the physical ability to be able to stab and hit a, a, a blitzing middle linebacker on a zero blitz, right? Screaming up the middle and not fold. Chase Brown, he he is he's bigger than uh Tajay Spears physically, and he got mowed down. And I've seen those practices where he was getting mowed. Tajay Spears is going to experience the same thing. You got to have – that's why they value David Montgomery a little bit more than they probably should. But if they can get a running back and free agency and pay him a little bit more than what they were going to pay David Montgomery, they're going to get it. And that's going to be somebody like Josh Jacobs. He's a complete back. He does it all. Not only does he do it all, he does it all well very fucking well and uh, i haven't seen very many backs in college that can really stand up to that kind of pressure from big middle linebackers and big wheel linebackers that are screaming in zero gap blitzes a and b gap blitzes that guy can do it and so i, I believe 100 they're gonna go with the solid running back and if josh jacobs is out there i think they're gonna get him i think you know whatever they do I hope that they bolster the running uh, back room because this is first and foremost a running team. This team one season uh, going to all of a sudden become a prolific passing offense. I think that's going to take a little bit more time, um, and I don't expect there to be a major acquisition at the wide receiver position that's going to elevate them like Brown did with the Philadelphia Eagles and helping Jalen Hurts because the talent isn't there in the free team. agency. I'm sorry? He's already, he's already on the team. It's it's Claypool. Exactly. It could be Claypool. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think that it, it might be wise for the Bears to embrace the fact that they are a running team because they've got the best rushing quarterback in NFL history in Justin Fields. Give him a, a – a, two, three good running backs, a guy like Tavian Thomas, even if you're going to go a veteran, get, give him a, you know, a running backs that you don't have to rely on Justin to run the ball 10 times and, and batter his body, but he, you still have him as a secret weapon and then really go after that passing attack, use play action, get those passes downfield. I think that's the recipe for this offense to make. I, I like that you called him a secret weapon there. Because I, I agree with you in that regard, because I feel like our running back stats from 2022, our rushing stats rather, were skewed significantly by fields. 
when Fields wasn't running the ball. Now, Khalil Herbert had a couple games early on, like that Texans game where it seems like he was breaking 30, 40, 50-yard runs. But for the most part, maybe it was because of that injury. He The second half of the year, he didn't do much. And as much as I like David Montgomery, it felt like his line every week was like 16, 17 carries for 39 yards. I don't know if we were a running team with the exception of number one is my point uh, this season. We, that we've seen that he – you know, he can't be the guy every week running the ball more than the running back. It just, you can't sustain that. So I hope that you're right. I hope regardless if it's a college kid, they draft, if it's re-signing 32, if it's, if, if it's Josh Jacobs, whatever they, if they're going to be a running team, they really, they have to have the backs run the ball more. Okay. I, I, I think that means the offensive line has to be rebuilt, but go ahead, Dan. Sorry. But Chase Claypool, uh, when Brian Poles traded for Chase Claypool, at that point in the season, it was right before the Dolphins game that you and Eldo and I were at, right? That was the first yeah. game he played in. We were surprised he had the like, ovation he got. Everyone was so happy when he got here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he almost had a chance to win the game, if not for a no-call pass interference. And I, I think that Poles was gambling on that, thinking, like, okay, we're probably not going to have the first pick in the draft, right? So he's not really cons- uh, worried about trading away what essentially would be the, s- the final pick in the first round. So um, <clears throat> that being said, I, I think that he know- he knew moving forward, if he knew that it was going to be a little bit of a process for him to learn this offense, and that he wasn't going to click right away. And they were going to try as best as they could to get him to click in the offense as much as they could to try to get him involved. But they knew it was going to be a process. But the ultimate goal was 2023 for Claypool because they know that the free agent market going into next season, if they can get a Claypool, he's the best they can probably get out of that. And they give up a second rounder, a late first rounder. Really. But we all need to, to just realize what we have in Claypool here and, and not put that on the back burner. Like he is something that we need to actually put on the front burner as someone that we need to be looking forward to moving into next season. Claypool is going to be somebody that is going to be working with Justin Fields in the offseason, along with Komet and along with uh, Mooney and whoever else wants to join in on that shit. And they're all going to get better. And I think Claypool, amongst all those, is going to end up standing out by the time we're talking about him in training camp next next season. He- and they're going to just pick and choose from the wide receivers that they can get in the draft here, to try to add to what they have, banking on that. You referenced the, the Dolphins game where we were all at. What if I had told you prior to kickoff? Because the Bears are so good that day. They lost, what, 35-32? What if I had told you before that game, the Bears are going to lose every game the rest of the season. We're not going to get one more win. You probably thought I was fucking crazy, especially after the performance against Miami. And we traded for Claypool. No way we don't win another game. And they did. They fucking lost every game the rest of the way. Aldo, you and I turned to each other like, we're going to win this fucking game. Remember that? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, it was really one of the most fun football games I've ever gone to because it was one of those rare games where you, I had that feeling where, you know, uh, we were watching greatness with what Justin Fields was doing and the speed that he showed on that touchdown yeah. run down the, down the sideline. It was, it was coming a- off that Patriots win, too, on Monday night. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we were fucking so hyped for that. And and playing an offensive juggernaut like the Miami Dolphins, yeah, you know, they 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 scored their points on the Bears defense, but 
they really won that game because of the uh, of the blocked punt. It was the special teams that betrayed yeah. us that day. Yeah. So that's well, um, because yeah. of the extra step that he takes, uh, just seemingly every punt. It's like mm-hmm. punt the ball, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Although you know, I, I I listen to you guys, man. I love all you guys, man, for real. And you know, the average Bears fan is tied up in wins and losses. They they're tied up in the W's or the L's, really, and what the highlights look like. The they're process. not quite like me or a lot of other people that really study this stuff. And, and you wouldn't appreciate it because because only because you don't look at some of the outside edges. We're all on the outside looking in. We're all just poking at the edge, and we're not inside that place, and we don't know what's going on. So I would say that I'm the same as you guys as far as that goes. Where I take another step is I see other things that people don't see as far as how you build a team, not only a team but a franchise. How you get to the point to where you build a sturdy, strong foundation of a team that you start building out the pieces, and next thing you know, you're in serious contention for serious you, – you, you're looking at Lombardis. And you can't get wrapped up in the wins and losses if you're going to look at it that way because the wins and losses are definitely going to happen in 2021 – in 2022, rather. That's going to happen. Look at that 2023 and beyond is where I see this team. I I was one of those people that was hoping for the best this season, but I didn't get wrapped up into the wins and losses. I watched the games and how they were playing them. And what I see is not wins and losses. I saw dudes that were making gains, young guys, really young guys that were making games and in, in in positions that were very difficult to play. I would say your Jaquan Brisker. I would definitely say your Kyler Murray. Definitely Kyler Murray. Or Jalen so, Jones. Yeah, those Jaylen are key. Jones. Those are key players in key spots on the field that will make a difference when you add talent around them, and they are going to turn this shit around. Because we 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 were so high on Brisker and Gordon and talking about those two guys and Valus Jones, we were so wrapped up into them. That that was pretty much our world. We wanted to see those guys really play. And then and they got injured for a couple of games, and okay. then we were like, "Wow, look at these other guys stepping up." Blackwell, okay. Jalen Jones. Well, to me, wins and losses do matter, and not saying that you are saying that they don't. But let me just point this out: Mike Ditka's last year with the Bears was nineteen ninety two. The Bears have made the playoffs seven times since Ditka left. Seven times in thirty fucking years. So to me, as a guy that's experienced all these wins and losses since then, and maybe I'm viewing it through a selfish lens, I'm tired of the losing. I mean, I've given this team everything, you know, my, my loyalty, my time, my money, and my, my passion, my everything. So, yeah, I want to win, and I, and I do fixate on the wins and losses, and I do realize that there's other things like Brisker coming in and stuff, but when you start the year 2-1 and one and finish 3-14, and 14, that's a disastrous season to me, no matter what yeah. any any way spends sometimes, it. Sometimes yeah, you guys you, sometimes you guys sound like I need to add to that misery really quick, Dan. I'll let you go now. If you go back one more year, the Lions have made the playoffs more since that time frame. Go ahead, Nomad. All I wanted to say was sometimes it feels like you're the guy that's sitting in front of the TV with a big giant turkey leg and 
and you get a you don't get a first down and you ready to hit the next person in front of you with the fucking turkey and it just it looks it sounds barbaric when you guys talk sometimes it's just like i wouldn't want to be in your house when the shit doesn't go right <laughs> that's all i'm saying well, this is why i can this is why i can uh i i side i, I have sympathy or empathy for don burr because when we talk about, we bitch and moan about, like you just said, Dan, seven times since 1990-fucking-two. Well, the, the Lions, if you go back to 1991, they made the playoffs, I think, in 1991, if my memory serves me correctly. They did. That's Kramer's year with Detroit when they went to the NFC Championship exactly. game and lost to Washington. So therefore, since 1991, they have made the fucking playoffs more than we have. Take that for food for thought. So, Did you punch, it, did you punch a door? No, I. I'm, well, let me, let me add to this as well. Think about this too. The in, in those seven appearances that they've made since 1992 in the playoffs, they've been one and done three of those times. So now we're talking about only four. In '94, they beat Minnesota, and lost the second round. In 2005, uh, wait a minute, no, they they were done immediately with Carolina. What am I saying? Wait, 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 2006, they went to the Super Bowl. Two thousand one, they were one done one. with Philly immediately. That's the that's the hole in the door, Nomad. That's the hole in the door. So, yeah, it's only four. Look, it's only two thousand four, two thousand six, and two thousand ten that they've won playoff games since Mike Ditka. Because again, in six they went to Super Bowl and ten they beat Seattle. Four they beat Minnesota. They were done in 01 immediately. Done in 05 immediately. Done in two thousand eighteen immediately, and done in two thousand twenty immediately. Wait a minute, Fuck. who paid who paid for that door, Shorty? No, uh, nobody. It's, it's who, who paid for that door? Who who spent money on that door? Who paid for me, it? Me. Okay, that's just all I'm gonna say right there. You, you. The only thing I've ever done <laughs> stupid again, I broke a remote. Door and they bought it. <laughs> I broke a remote controller when Randall Cobb caught that pass to beat us in 13. When it was winner winner go home and the Bears had the lead in the fourth quarter because Brandon Marshall had a great touchdown from Cutler. And we had a 28 to 20 lead. And then that was the big play, fourth and like 14. They had converted four fourth downs on the drive. And then he hits Cobb with like 28 seconds to go in the game. That was one of the worst losses of my life. And I did break a remote at Trust that moment. Me, but, I know. Y'all got rage issues, man. I just know if I end up, if I land at, at uh, uh, Todd's house or Dan Aguirre's house, I got. I'm not. A, I'm not a firearms carrier. I'm not. I don't. I'm not big on that. I got them, but I, I'm not just willy nilly just walking around with those. That's but the only time I've ever done anything like that. I come to one of you two motherfuckers' house. Guaranteed, I'm gonna have a pipe wrench in my back pocket. No, nah, man. For real. <laughs> only, that's the only time I've ever done anything like that. I broke a remote from that Randall Cobb touchdown. Uh, that's the only time that's happened. What was that safety's name again? I always, I hated him. He went to Tampa Bay. Conte. Hold, on Hold on a second. If you come to any one of our fucking houses with a fucking pipe wrench in your pocket, Nomad, you're going to be wearing one of those fucking eyes wide shut masks and shit. <laughs> Nobody knows who the fuck you are. No, no, no. safety that let Cobb no. free that, that no, I just no. hated. What was his name? Chris Conte. Chris Conte. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That's why I threw the remote controller because Chris Conte and Joe Buck's uh, commentary, and he just says, Cobb! <laughs> oh no! He, well, how's he so wide open? It's fourth. The fuck you make the playoffs or you win the North, and that happens on fourth. That was that was almost as bad as someone dying for me. Was it as bad as this? 
There goes Orlowski. Look at him go. Look at him go. The fucking idiot. Yeah, it was a safety, but he'll get on TV and talk like he's Joe Montana or he's Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Get the fuck out of here. He and Chris Sims both can go straight to hell. <laughs> These guys are just, they know better than we are, and they're acting like they, they're the know-alls of of life when they played they were just fucking scrubs man. he played in the fucking nfl dan you didn't uh, and you <laughs> saw what he did in the nfl so don't act like you're the voice of authority when you run out of the end zone and you can't you don't even know it y'all too you two motherfuckers think y'all y'all seem like y'all might be the type to get mad enough to flip my nachos over on the table <laughs> no that's what i'm saying i don't that's what i'm that's saying why I, don't, I, keep that pipe wrench on me. I don't do shit like that is what i'm saying like i only did it that one night Oh man! Hey, I um, saw Ami said talking about something about me flipping around my turkey arm. Is that doing this? <laughs> if I'm using my arms like this, Saint Omni, is that turkey arms? <laughs> that is hilarious. Hey, uh, did you guys hear Dave Tob t- talking about the Devin Hester uh, fake pump play? Yes, the one in 2011 that was a touchdown, and they called back because it was the Packers. that's why i don't want to start the mahomes thing again that's exactly why the cincinnati game bothered me because i feel like whenever you're one of the teams that the the league loves they just throw penalties whenever they want and that dave tobe play with devin hester and johnny knox is a firm example when dave tobe says that the official came back and said oh i didn't i shouldn't have even thrown that flag it wasn't a penalty that is exactly correct. The official apologized to Dave Taub repeatedly over the years. He brings it up himself, the official, saying, yeah, I screwed up on that play. This was the most creative special teams play I probably have ever seen. It was everyone that's expecting the punt to go to Devin Hester. All the blockers go towards Tevin, Devin Hester's side of the field but the ball was actually going to johnny knox and he runs it back for an easy touchdown and then there's the flag on the field and just because we're playing green bay period i I really do believe that may have had something to do with that man this was a game-changing play um it was heartbreaking to see this happen to the bears you guys remember this yep yep you, what's good about that too? I like look at Mike Carey. A fucking guy was terrible on TV too. Yep. I the um I love the orange jersey with the navy helmet. The orange jersey with the orange helmet is too much. I think I, I like it like that though. Can I just mm-hmm. first, but guys, how did this play work? Nobody's watching the fucking ball. No, they're all watching Hester because he's Hester. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of Devin, we hope he makes the Hall of Fame Saturday. But wouldn't you think that as the kicking team, you would be watching the trajectory of the ball as it was being left off the foot? If you if it was clearly going right or clearly going left, that's where you would go, right? So how could they have been just, okay, you, you're lining up on the line and you're running. You see, I mean, come on, you're not, you're really not watching the the. the you're not all lined up looking at the kicker, and you go boom, and the ball is going up, and then you just run that direction. How hey, we got breaking news. If you don't mind me interrupting, oh. uh, this statement is from Bears Chairman George H. McCaskey on the passing of Andrew McKenna. This afternoon, we lost a friend of more than 40 years to our family and the Bears. Few people have had a larger impact on our great city. Andy spent his life dedicated to institutions across sports, media, museums, 
academia, healthcare, and more. Uh, his guidance helped us make sound business decisions, blah, 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 blah. The bears and his wisdom will be missed. Uh, our prayers are with his family, end quote. What's his name again, Dan? His name was Andrew McKenna. He had worked with the Bears apparently for more than 40 years. Uh, he technically was on, uh, he was part owner and a board member. Oh, yeah. He's one of the richest guys in Chicago. And uh, he, I, I think he, at first he was on the board of directors for the Chicago Cubs uh, or one of the baseball teams and then came over to the Bears or vice versa, something like that. But this guy was a, a guy with a lot of influence and a lot of, because he had a lot of money. Um, this is but very interesting. Other than that, I, this is very interesting, guys. Why is that? Because he holds a certain stake in the Bears. Mm -hmm. Well, with his passing, what? Where did that go? Did did, did he subdivide that inheritance to his children? Cue cue the uh, cue the music, conspiracy music. <laughs> no, 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 because this there's been there's been so I've read so many things over the years about when, when the eventual day comes of the passing mm -hmm. of Miss Virginia. Just when Virginia got custody of the team or they, they fought well, over that for four years after Muggs well, died. Right. And all the things that will happen once that day comes, uh, who's going to want that? There's so much money that um, that is an in inheritance that family cannot use that that are they have hundreds of millions of dollars that they can't spend because they can't get a loan against uh something that's not liquidated it's it, when it's in a trust like that they can't take out a loan against it so a lot of the family members of the team they're going to want their inheritance so that's going to be the first problem when 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 like shit to me. so what happens after that if if you add something like this with a mr mckenna and his he he his family inherits that if it's subdivided amongst other family members it's going to get very interesting when this when the you know eventual happens here moving forward in the next hopefully 20 years when virginia passes away <laughs> so basically uh um he's a I, I didn't really understand none of that to be honest with you i don't get that tight into how the organization is run, who pays for this and who's I remember reading a lot of articles around it. I don't, I don't pay any attention to none of that shit, but that's interesting, but it sounds X-file-ish to me. <laughs> no, I mean, but this happened before though, when Muggs Hallis died in 79, then for the next four years, there was a fight for who's going to, which, which right. member of the Hallis family or McCaskey family was going to be the owner. And again, right. it was lawsuit after lawsuit, and eventually Virginia prevailed. But so Dan's point, I agree with you. At some point, this is going to lead to a huge uh, amount of drama in a courtroom. Somebody got to die. Somebody else got to die. And that's why I, I truly feel why they're trying to get this Arlington thing done as quickly as they can. I don't think this is going to take as many years as we think it might. I think it's going to be... Once it gets going, it's going to happen quickly because I think that'll kind of be the answer to some of the, the, the riddles that I just presented from the things that I've read over the course of years. Hey, it happens right. to family, you hey, know? Dan, don't, don't approach nobody in a parking garage that has a trench coat on and a big hat. <laughs> me or the me or the other Dan or Dan? <laughs> you know one of you. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Jay Sanders says the McCaskies are offing each other. <laughs> the mobsters, they've become the mobsters of the Midway. <laughs> that trench coat with a big long brim hat, got his collar up and got some sunglasses on. Just don't fuck with that guy, man. Just walk away. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, we got what, 10 minutes left? Dan, what's on your mind? You seen anything good? Yeah, I, I, I've been listening to Quentin Tarantino's podcast where they break down old films, and mm -hmm. I, I sent you a link to that. Uh, you would definitely enjoy. Yeah, you would love it, Aldo. I mean, like they're 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 talking about every aspect of the film from the VHS cover to anyway. I watched some wild ass like horror sci fi movie today simply because I listened to Quentin Tarantino talk about it. And I don't even remember the name of it. Let me get to it. Just I'm looking through my history because I went to the Wikipedia well, page. Just see if you've seen who this. Who was shit. in it? I don't know. Considering it was a awful, like horror film, uh, sci-fi film, that but the director did such a good job building all the characters. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's spelled S L I T H I S. Slithis. It's from 1978, and. Uh, Again, I just watched it because Quentin Tarantino talked about it. He said after the movie, he watched it in L.A., they gave him a card that said, you are a survivor of the Slithis. And he joined the <laughs> Slithis fan club because on the back it said, like, one way to assure that you don't become a victim of the Slithis is to join the Slithis fan club. So <laughs> he did so. Uh, and he was like, even then, you know, I, I was, you know, wasn't a kid. He's like, I never did shit like that, but I did it for some reason with this. And he, they sent him some stuff back and he had it for 40 years before getting rid of it. Uh, so anyway, I watched that today because of, uh, Tarantino and it was okay. It wasn't great, but yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. Never heard of that movie. Slithis. Yeah. It's from 78. <laughs> it's it, the, the. The, the 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 monster sort of reminds you of the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is obviously a little bit older, uh, but it's very similar to that. But it, there's a scientific explanation for his uh, creation and his uh, evolving. Again, it's not a movie I would have ever watched had Tarantino not talked about it. Here's the trailer. Just found it. It looks real high quality. You're halfway through. You're like, fuck it. I'm this involved. I'm going to keep watching it. <laughs> looks like, looks like one of my student movies. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was, I don't know what's up with the trailer. There's Did no sound where bell bottoms there. Bell bottoms line jackets. They filmed this at all. They filmed it at all real locations, like real businesses and everything. So Tarantino was saying it's a real flashback to the late seventies in, in Los Angeles. Uh, like I said, maybe it's because of a budget issue. They didn't have the sets to make restaurants or parks or whatever. They were actually filmed it and showed the real locations is what I'm saying. But hey, cool. hey, Dan, you, you, I like watching this kind of stuff, especially this, this era right here. You ever heard of that movie series called Mausoleum? I have not. Oh, my God. That's some freaked out shit right there. It's an undertaker, basically run a fucking mausoleum and there's some crazy shit that goes on in that that series of films man it is wild if you like horror and you like to just be scared a little bit but you know it's just bullshit movies but don't be by yourself watching that shit <laughs> <laughs> i love it what, well, aldo not to change the subject because i only have a few more minutes did you ever get around to seeing infinity pool yet 
No, I haven't. Cronenberg film? No. Oh, you're going to like it. I mean, it's. I'm not giving you any spoilers. You'll like it. No, that St. Omni just hit it. It's Phantasm. That's the name of it, Phantasm. Oh, Phantasm. I saw Phantasm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Phantasm 1 was fantastic. Uh, 2 was okay, and then I I don't even know if I watched all the sequels, but the one from 79, I really, really enjoyed. Yes. Is that with the needle guy, the needlehead guy? The tall guy, the tall man. No, Angus no. Scrim was his name. And it's from, uh, they had a great Bannister. score. He had a no. great score for that, too, the, the guy that directed the film. Uh, but yeah, Phantasm, I, I definitely know Phantasm. Yeah, it was a solid hey. film. Hey, Dan, yeah. Matt, Kedro, Matt Kedro just mentioned, speaking of Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> uh, did you guys ever see uh, the uh, uh, Johnny Santucci porn movie uh, where he's <laughs> delivering a pizza? Uh, and uh, hot saucy dude, pizza? Yeah, there's just... Yeah. <laughs> that's Tuesday's that's daddy right there. <laughs> that's Tuesday's daddy right there. <laughs> this is one of my oh, favorite... My I mean, look at those chicks he's going to have sex with. Look yeah. <laughs> how happy. <laughs> that's daddy right there. <laughs> <laughs> look at him, <laughs> daddy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Like father, like son. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, that I, I told you to watch that Cronenberg movie. I never got around to it. <laughs> it's okay. I don't want to, I don't even want to give you any spoilers at all. Was a, I want uh, you to, uh, to see it. Star in a Cronenberg movie. Marilyn Chambers was in uh, uh, Rabbit yeah, by David. Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah, she was a porn, uh, a porn lady. So, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Hey, Aldo, pull that, pull that movie back up. With <laughs> I mean, I, I really hope for all the shit you've gotten about this Tucci, your dick is as big as his. Tucci's probably sitting back there in the car drinking the Dr Pepper. I do wear Tucci's size like, yeah, Fuck you guys. <laughs> He's sitting in the car waiting on his daddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was losing his what is the porn in those days where they're like you know who the really really hot ladies want to fuck the plumber and the pizza delivery yeah. guy like that's so, like they didn't even try to come up with good ideas is what i'm saying yeah <laughs> no, no man with that with that pipe wrench in your back pocket you could be the plumber <laughs> Dude, man, you gotta you gotta just grow your mustache, man. Come on. Oh, man. More like Mario, no, man, I'll, like Mario I'll deliver the pizzas. You can be the plumber. Hey, hey dude, I can just see you sitting in the car with a tight ass shirt on and some little shorts drinking a Dr. Pepper and shit with a mustache that's six years old. K2K says Tuch can punch you in the face with his hands in his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is outstanding. This is why people love us, man. This is silly right here. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, uh, I mean, Tuch, come on. When, when Aldo and I grow, it out, grow out our beards for the play, we're. We're, we're going to do this, right? We're going to start right before the, the game one. We're going to shave, clean shaven, look all fucking weird, and then we're going to grow out our Man. beard until the Bears make the playoffs. Okay, Tooch? 
you gotta just keep yourself right there and just let your mustache go. You can you can you can do everything else. Mm. Just let your mustache go. And if you have to start twisting it, <laughs> do a circle. And do that. that. Would be awesome. That would actually look really good on you. Some people oh, yeah. it would it looks good on when they twist it like that. That would you want really them to look like Raleigh fingers? Yeah. Yeah, dude. And then you can keep it going until the Bears make the playoffs. Come on, Toot, oh, you yeah. in? Uh, Aldo and Foster wore clothes like that back then. <laughs> Fucking A, I did. Fucking A. I wore elephant <laughs> bell bottoms with cuffs on them, platform <laughs> shoes, and a fake silk shirt, man. That was me in seventh grade. You got he trying, he trying to make he trying to make Tooch out to be the butcher from Gangs in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great movie. Outstanding movies. Yeah. I like movies and stuff. Have you got? I mean, this is a TV show, but did you guys like the that that seventies show? Yeah. yeah, I loved that seventies show. Have you guys ever seen? And I know, if, don't when I say this, uh, my my best friend like told me this, and I said I thought the same thing. So I, I know you guys are gonna think the same thing too. Have you guys seen or heard of that nineties show? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Okay, so I, I heard it. I haven't seen it. I, I thought it would be fucking stupid, and my buddy said, no, it's really good. Just watch the first episode. He said, he said I actually haven't got the first past the first one, but it's, it's good enough that I would watch it, continue to watch it. So last night I was sitting here doing some production, and Kitty was watching it, and I was kind of watching it while I was it was between my monitors. It's fucking good because it gets – it actually – it, like any show, it's a little awkward in the beginning. You're like, oh, it's a new show. Everyone's new, you know, warming up to their positions and shit. But by the time they get in like the third or fourth episode, the characters are warmed up. And it's it's actually it, it really does not only watching the 70s show like reminded me of my parents in that era. But like now watching that reminds me of, of me because that was me in the 90s for sure. I'm sure it was a lot of you in the 90s, too. So I'm just going to say. Give it a, just give it a couple episodes and see what you think because it's I thought it was pretty good. Dan, did you like it? It was okay, but I definitely wasn't one of the characters out, you know, getting high oh, or any of, of that shit. I was yeah. one of the characters that was like desperately trying to get pussy, but there's <laughs> <laughs> still one of those though, because they add another character. Yeah, in the nineties, <laughs> you had a couple extra friends than you had in the seventies, you know? So like in the <laughs> in in the nineties version of this. There's a couple extra friends, you know, so it's kind of like they add a little bit of the extra element that you had in the nineties. It's it, like it's it. funny. It's just funny how some of the some of the stuff that people in different cultures gravitate to. You guys, that's that's it for you guys. That's that's what you guys gravitate to. Everybody yeah. was bubbly and relaxed and having a good time, getting high and doing silly shit. Mm -hmm. We gravitate to shit like power when motherfuckers were struggling in the streets and getting killed or, or killing people. That shit that 50 Cent produced. I don't know if any of you ever even looked at that show. But that's the kind of stuff that people that are not in that a part of that culture, we gravitate towards shit. I don't watch Power. I have watched it, but I don't watch it. Mm -hmm. But that 90s show or that 70s show, that is uh, something. Some white ass shit. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say exactly that. I would say that era right there was something different for yeah. people in different parts of different cultures. I would say that. That 70s show era it was. And yeah. like a, a, a something like Power, that, that, that show that 50 Cent produces, probably doesn't attract you guys. Never even heard. Because you can't really relate to it. 
you know? Can you so, throw Foster's comment back up there, Aldo? <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm, look at, I'm so white. I almost blind you guys. That, look at that. That was me, too. Yeah. Gravitating towards Stan, Stan, Stanford and Sanford no. and stuff. No, man. Did you like uh, what's happening? Where is it? This one here. Yeah, I wasn't that old. <laughs> now, that is the uh, chat uh, of the night. In the yeah. 90s, I was doing the leftover Coke from the 80s with the people I hated in the 70s. That is priceless. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Foster. <laughs> I, hey, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near. <laughs> I'm that nowhere near Sanford and Son. My, my pops loved that fucking show. He loved it. And I watched it with him. I love Wait, oh, quick f- fun fact. Did you know that Sanford and Son, okay, what's his name on the show? Fred Sanford. Sanford, Jack. Do you know that that's Red Fox? And the G stands for I get in your ass. Did you know that that is <laughs> Fred Sanford is Red Fox's real name? Mm-hmm. Dropping the fucking money. What would you say? Say that again. Uh, Sanford and Son, Red Fox, the actor. We yeah. all know who Red Fox is. His real name, because Red Fox is his stage name, his real name is Fred Sanford. No, that was his brother. His name is John Sanford. It is. Ooh. Oh, God damn. I got to pick the bird. Burn! Pick up that fucking mic. Pick up that mic. That that was his older brother. His older brother's name is Fred. His name is John. Oh yeah. All right. Cocaine there. I'm looking this shit up now. (laughs) Uh, Does Danny have to leave? I was wondering. Did Dan see? Yeah, I was typing that and I was trying to be inconspicuous. Was saying I have to leave. Did you see the the menu? Hold on, hold on, on, Dan. Before you, before you bug out, man. Give me your number one. I don't give a fuck what era. Your number one TV show ever produced, put on major screen TV. That's kind of hard to say. Ever? Get get just get one right off your dickhead. What the Sopranos. Sopranos. I get it. I got it. I can dig it. That that's hard to that's fucking hard to deal with right there. That was that was great production right there. That was absolutely great production. That's how they put the cast together, the screenplay, the direction. Everything was great. Come on, Tooch. I got to go, though, guys. I'll see you all. Thanks. Love you, Danny. Hey, in the green room, bro. Later, Danny. Later. Come on, Tooch. You're a fucking Italian. Uh, Come on. Number one one production ever. I grew up with my, my family's Italian. Come on, Tooch. You, you're, you're an Italian family. Was that really an Italian family? I got to be honest. Well, I, never, I never saw it. I didn't watch The Sopranos. I, I never bought into the... I watched Whoa. the whole thing, but the whole thing seemed... Whoa. Was that a, it was at a time when I didn't that, have HBO and I never went back and watched it. Did you just hear that, man? That man just said... That man just said, I never watched The Sopranos. Everybody had already seen it. It was like... Eh. It's because Tooch is a true Italian. He's like, I don't fucking need to watch. <laughs> I that probably would like to, but yeah. Tooch, let me ask wow. you this: Did you watch The Godfather? Hey, yeah. Okay, there you go. It was. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you this much: Did you watch? Uh, how about Goodfellas? Yeah. Okay. Nothing like either either of the two of them. A pile of shit compared to the both. Hold on, Mister Shorty. You put your put your thing on mute for a second, so you're not tempted. Just hold on for a second. That man <laughs> just said. That man just said he never watched The Sopranos. Didn't, yeah, I didn't watch it. 
How did you I didn't, get, I didn't watch minute. Breaking Bad either. Have you have you ever eaten a DiGiorno's pizza? A Tombstone's pizza? Breaking Bad's a sin, but not not. Sorry. I know. It's like my wife watched it without me, and by that time, I was like, I didn't have the energy to watch it alone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't blame you. I don't blame I'm catching hell in the chat room. It came all the way down. I'll have to watch them by myself, you know. But all all right, when I I retire, I'm going to go back and watch them all. All right, since we are on bear, plenty of time in retirement. I want to, I want to, I want to dig into Tucci's brain and Tucci's heart right quick for the fans, (laughs) for everybody watching the show. Tucci, are you are you kind of obtuse to watching that series because you're Italian and you don't like the the stereotypes? Is that got anything? I probably would like. I can understand that if that's the case. Yeah, no, I would. I would. That doesn't bother me. Killing, right? No, it's it's simply a matter of like time of me watching it by myself, you know. And I'm handicapping games. I'm writing Bear State of Affairs. I got two toddlers. You know, I was you know watching other shows. Tooch, what do you mean? (laughs) Like I said, when that was on, I I didn't have HBO, so damn. At a time when I I didn't have a, a subscription. Man, we got to get you up out of Iowa, man. What the fuck are you in a circus or something? I've only been in <laughs> Iowa for what four years. <laughs> These motherfuckers, they got Tucci's special attraction. He's hula hooping with barbed wire and shit. <laughs> Hell, man. Yeah, oh, I, I, man. I did some good stuff lately, though. Although I saw, uh, I can recommend uh, the chat is probably already seen it. It's called The Menu. Did you guys watch that? Oh, I, I was going to bring that up. Yes, I love that. That was great. It's like a that movie. It may, that was the kind of movie that had me thinking about it for like three days yeah. in a row. Like, we have to watch it again. It's so original. It's like, finally, you know, they, a, a movie comes along that's like, okay, Thank damn, it's not think. a rehash of, uh, of like, uh, uh, you know, it's not a sequel. It's not a redo or a do-over or a reboot or whatever the fuck. It but, makes uh, you think, doesn't it, Tooch? Yeah, it was great. I love yeah. it. it has, although, have you seen it yet? Yes, I have, and yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I so did not. not particularly like the last 20 minutes. I thought the third act uh, was a little bit weak, but overall, and, yeah. and the other complaint I had uh, of it is that there were all these supporting characters who were having dinner. At, uh, the premise of the movie is that this world-class chef does these thematic dinners, and yeah. uh, and there's a it's basically performance art, with with uh, beautifully designed food, yeah. and you know you had all these great actors like John Leguizamo, uh, and their their roles, yeah. their parts were just under scripted for me. But uh, Ralph yeah. Fiennes, who plays the head yeah. chef, Fantastic. is fucking masterful. He's like yeah. Anthony Hopkins as yeah. Hannibal Lecter. It yes. really yep. is a fantastic performance. Yeah, yeah and, and, I, uh, I and Anna, Anna Taylor Joy is a joy to look at. Mm, that's all those yes. girlfriend don't uh yes, she's don't get nice, ideas don't. nomad do not is that, like the main, is, that, is that the main girl she looks like alienish to me uh i i like i agree alien I not like kick her out of bed i agree that you know her eyes are a little far apart yeah. <laughs> but they're like really they're the almost like uh, my other one steven i i, I yeah. said watching this movie to kitty i said they're almost like a picasso painting where they're on the side of her of her head like her profile, you can see her eyes. That's like right. they almost go to her. It's weird. She's kind of alien-like, but she's gorgeous. 
The other sure. one uh, I was going to mention is The Pale Blue Eye on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's also really good. It has a great ending. Uh, I've not even a, heard of that. That's great. It's uh, it's like a mystery. You know, it takes place in 1800, late 1800s. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, uh, Christian Bale's the local constable, and he's uh, he's uh, hired by uh, West Point to uh, investigate uh, a murder at West Point Academy, and he he needs an inside man, so he enlists that dude who is Edgar Allan Poe as a young man in uh, uh, a military academy played by uh, Harry Melling, who's kind of like the modern-day David Patrick Kelly from Warriors. Warriors, come on, play. He has that same kind of appeal. But he plays Edgar Allan Poe. He helps Christian Bale with a series of murders at West Point Academy. It's great. That sounds great. Yeah, very good. You and Donna would love it, although. My girlfriend and I are attracted to this trailer. You talking this this trailer here? Mm-hmm. It's attractive. We we haven't had the time to to get to a whole yeah. lot. We, we we're excellent. juggling. We're juggling. Um, Robert Duvall's you know, in it. You know, we uh, got we got the mayor of Kingstown, Godfather of Harlem, and the Last of Us. We 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 get like the about last of two us hours in a day yeah, to squeeze in whatever we can get in as far as TV shows or maybe a movie. Got a couple hours to get in, and those those are the three that I'm messing with. Was is Mayor Kingstown, Godfather of Harlem, and The Last of Us? I think are absolutely brilliant shows. Yeah, Last of Us is great. I've been meaning to get to that. I hear that. I play the video game, but it, it it's like the graphics aren't. They didn't turn me on enough to. It was too old of the graphics for me to uh, get into it when I played the original. You know who game. else played video games? This guy, that fucking guy over there. <laughs> but but like you know like something, Matt Nagy. You know so, something. Fair truth is right. I like more. I look more like Matt Nagy than that guy. You know <laughs> something. I agree. I want. I want to challenge everybody on here. I want to challenge that Todd and Tooch. <laughs> I watch all kinds of. I watch all kinds of of, of shows that have white centric actors. The white guys the lead the white woman's the lead and everything about it is pretty much white centric mm-hmm. i also watch black shows i want to challenge you guys watch godfather of harlem where the lead is black just just be okay with it i know it's it's not what you guys can absolutely relate to i know it's something that you gotta you know kind of feel it out and ch- kind of get used to it but don't stray away from it it's 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 a story. It's a story about what that was in that era in the 1920s for black people and what they had to do to survive and get through what the uh, culture was at that time. And it was basically gang related, uh, uh, mafia related. And it's brilliant. What's that? Oh, what year was yeah, it? Like in 90s, 80s? Godfather of Harlem? Yeah. Out now. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's new. Which uh, channel? The the point is, the point is, you guys aren't attracted to it because it is you don't see characters in there that relate to you. That's a whole other conversation. Hold up. That's a whole other conversation. I I, I probably would like it. You might, but it's a layered conversation that is something that I think would be good for to have here on this show. That could be a great layered conversation, but that the point is, is that I haven't 
had fucking time to watch. I don't even. My wife's been trying to get me to watch movies, man. I'm I'm so far behind on shit that it's it's impossible to even catch up at this point. So I would love to watch Godfather Apartment. Is anything like uh, does it? When you say that, it reminds me of what's the movie with Eddie Murphy and uh, Harlem Nights? Is it something okay. like that in any way? Because I love that movie. It, it has Nights that kind of theme to it. Yes, yeah. made in made in a TV show form. I without love the that movie, dude. But uh, who is I don't know who just said. I think Foster just said Peaky Blinders is great. Absolutely. And I've yeah. never seen a wider show in my life other than Game <laughs> of Thrones or something like that. But it didn't turn me off. Because they were white, that didn't turn me off. Don't let a show or a movie turn you off because the characters are mainly black. Not a surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> I'll tell you that, man. I hey, you know what? All by movies, if it's black centric or all black or anything, I would love to see Godfather of Harlem. Hey, hey, let let no, you bust my balls again it. with that picture again. Let, let <laughs> that wasn't me. That I was Aldo. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. I got a new phrase for you guys. I want to know if you guys have heard of it. I want to know if you guys have heard of this. This is this is real. Now, if you think I'm bullshitting, get on your fucking phones and Google it. It's called PII. Porn induced impotence. Oh my god, who the hell cares? Porn induced impotence. Check that fucking porn, guys. Check that term we're gonna out. We're going to end with show, the show with Be Kind. Um, I think you cure that by watching more porn. Watching <laughs> porn. Hey, you know what, man? I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. Off, guys. You get your wife to watch the porn with you. Nah. Why are you gay? Even better. There, make there's no way you and your wife can match the, the sick-ass shit you watch on porn, whatever that shit is you watch. Um, you might be surprised, buddy. No, sir. One that produces a podcast. People, people want to watch the, people want to watch people swinging down from chandeliers, somebody with a ball gag like that. Like that dude. Oh, ball that gags. No ball gags, like, no chandeliers, but there's no man eight motherfuckers jumping all over each other. They want to watch all that crazy shit fucking in every orifice. Nah, man. It, when it get down to it, you gotta you gotta have sex with that lady next to you. What is that porn doing to your head? Oh yeah. Well, sometimes you gotta use it just to fluff up when you get older, I can't buddy. Disagree with no man. I mean <laughs> Porn becomes not to jerk off; it becomes to fluff yourself as you age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can't argue with that either. <laughs> Foster Cover says, "No matter, I hope I never suffer from that PII disease. I'm sick enough in the head." <laughs> the shit that people watch <laughs> on porn. Saying I'm in makes a great point. I tell you what, I tell you what, put it this way. Everybody would be watching porn porn in their living rooms with people coming in their houses if it wasn't a shame attached to it. Mm -hmm. You hide and you do it secretly because you don't want people to know that you feel you feel bad for you like I shouldn't be paying attention to this, but I am. And you can't tell me that the shit that you're looking at, I used to watch porn. I'm not shitting on people that watch porn. I'm just throwing out a caution, cautionary tale. I stopped. 
you can't match what you see on these because it's you get one click, you go from this picture or this video to the next one, the next one, the next one, you just keep going up. You can't have a regular sex life. You got guys at 19, 20, 25 years old that are impotent because they watch so much porn. Yeah. It is fucking up relationships and it's fucking up what manhood is supposed to be. More and I'm not, for me. <clears throat> go ahead. More, more pussy for me. That's no, no, man, as, as a former uh, industry insider, I'd like to extend a dick, I mean, a hand, and, uh, you know, give you a pat on the back for just. <laughs> <laughs> He's someone you better not fuck around with. Aldo, we have to make a commercial with Nomad. Uh, <laughs> kind of like one of those <laughs> like little commercials that come up like, you know, it's it's a when your children are, are playing too many video games or whatever the fuck kind of commercial you see. We'll make it like with Nomad. But you, kids, you got to stop jerking off so much. Porn is a bad thing. Put on the porn, kids, or whatever the fuck. Dude, it is awful. I had I worked with some guys. I I used to do. I I did a, a emergency response job, and I said this on our show, Shorty, before. I, you probably don't remember because you be high as fuck. But I did that. I I did I did this job, and it's not like an ambulance job, like like uh. I remember this Dan fuck you, dude. Like Dan Aguirre does. I was really responding to disasters all over the southeast, from Katrina to different shit like that. And I had a guy that worked with me from Macon, Georgia. Dude, dude, name was Curtis, man. This motherfucker was really the real fucking uh, uh, quagmire. I used to literally, this motherfucker walked around with his phone when he caught a minute. We catch a break to go eat something or go smoke a sick, whatever the fuck people did in that 15, 20 minute break. I catch this motherfucker around the corner just beating off. Are you kidding me? Seriously, man, he catch he he get us inside a building. You saw his dick in his hand inside of a factory where we were we were in charge of cleaning up a disaster. He would <laughs> just in his head, I guess it was a, a a blank spot or a blank area where there weren't any. I'm like, Curtis, do you understand that this motherfucker has cameras everywhere? <laughs> if I'm walking up on you while you got your dick in your hand, somebody is sitting around. At his house or wherever in an office, laughing at your ass. See, that's knowing the that problem, they man. they we, need we, you to they need you to do this job, but afterwards they are not gonna want to hire us again. This motherfucker just beating off. When we were kids, man, we would be lucky to find like a stash of penthouse magazines in, in the garbage somewhere, or maybe some guy was, you know, he was a, he was good enough to just lay him on the side of the road. You'd, you'd find him in a bag, you know. I'll, Oh, look at these, you know, every every kid would take home one of them, you know, yeah. then when you got to be 18, you were like, oh, I'm going to go buy. Oh, look at this hustler. Oh, this isn't even hard, more hardcore than penthouse, you know, and and then you were that that was your thing when you were a kid. And Man. now it's like you could be seven years old and come across porn on your fucking phone, you know, so I get what you're saying, man. Man, Put down the porn, guys. I don't. I don't want to beat up the porn. You, I mean, you, you do what you do. You do what you do. I'm just. I'm just throwing a flag. That's all. No, I'm no man's right though. I mean, I young young men these days have they can't form relationships because of the proli- right. prolific uh, nature of porn is everywhere. Just like he said, you know, it's true. Right. Right. 
I can imagine. I mean, it's true. I mean, Tooch just made a major fucking point and shouldn't brush be brushed over. They are yeah. ab, their, their relationships are abnormal and their ability yeah. to make relationships are right. abnormal thanks right. to that. Right. Yep. And two no, shit's hard to problem fucking making porn with that big dick. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but the money, you know, you can't turn down the money. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, it, it's different because I, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, traditional values were uh, emphasized more family values, you know, and today they're just not, there's a lot more uh, single parent families. There's a lot more, uh, uh, you know, uh, families with absentee parents who work a lot and the kids are left uh, to their own devices. And uh, I think uh, they get into trouble with the internet, you know, uh, and whatever they're watching out there that uh, it's, it's not real life, you know, and they have a hard time uh, adjusting when they get out into real life. They've got to have a job. They've got to pay for everything. Got to have a mortgage. They've got to have a car payment. And people like us who have been there, you know, uh, working our asses off to make the mortgage, make the car payment and all that stuff. We, we look, we look at these jokers and we're like, what the hell are you doing, man? You don't, you know, get your act together, get, you know, start being serious, you know, uh, uh, start doing what you have to do to uh, have the things that, you know, most people want in life, you know, whether it's a home or a good job or security or, you know, a long lasting relationship and, I don't know if people know uh, uh, how to how to get all that anymore. Tooch, I know it's gonna get even weirder. Tooch, I, I got my my cousin used to have a uh, his dad was uh, I can't remember what he did something in the architectural field, but he had this laptop, and he had these um these cartoon porns, and I was a little dude, and my cousin used to call me over on Saturday mornings. Hey, I got my dad computer. He sleep. He knocked out. I mean, we in the basement. This motherfucker, you know, it just worked a whole shift until like nine o'clock in the evening. Went out with his people and hung out. And, and <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I'll just talk about porn, man. I had to go knock one out. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the light. Hello, hello, rub that in your beard. It'll make it soft. I love prop <laughs> comedy. Although, <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's exactly what that was. Sure, it was. Sure, it was. <laughs> should have put it on. The, you should have put it on the other side of your hand. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I forgot wait, how I, it goes. Since we're talking about that, uh, oh, where is it? Somebody said in chat. Oh God, where is it? Where is it? Oh, here we go. Triple R says. Back in the day, using your non-dominant hand, known as the stranger, oh, yeah. was risky. That's when uh, is it the stranger when you like make your arm go to sleep, you know, and uh, and then okay. uh, uh, you can't feel your arm, you know, yeah, yeah. Your hand. Is that the stranger? I thought it was the stranger. This is the stranger. The stra no, the straight the stranger movie. You like no, uh, you like make the circulation your your arm go numb by cutting off the circulation, and then oh. you know jerk off. But you can't, you know, you can't feel your hand. So it's like that's why they call it the stranger. It's like someone else jerking you off. Wait, I don't like that. Twenty-five years whoa. ago, I just, I just started using my left hand. That I was uh, like, I'm just gonna try what, my left what? hand. Wait a minute, wait. A minute. You lost the shit <laughs> out of me. What you just do, Tooch? No, no. I, I thought that was what a stranger was. The stranger. When they say, "Oh, give yourself the stranger." 
You know, it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe the chat room could help. I'm sure the chat room can help out with this. Like, put a rubber band or something, I would imagine, around your wrist to make one of your hands numb. Yeah. And then you, yeah, here. Yeah. J2K, yeah. You sit on your hand and let your hand go completely numb and then yeah. jerk off. It's like the, uh, it's like uh, uh, the someone else doing it. It's like they call that the stranger. You motherfuckers that think I'm a unicorn when I, when I tell you the truth that I never even, thought about it until I went to college <laughs> and my girlfriend wasn't there in the first two weeks of college. At what age? I was fucking 17. In yeah. college? In 18, college. 17, yeah, sure. Turned 18, yep. That was the first time you jerked off? In my life. Wow. Okay, well, at least you jerked off. In my I life, were, I my, thought you were gonna fucking say you you haven't jerked off. I was I was about oh, to no, get no, like, no, man. No, we gotta be real. I would never. I'm a. I can. I can say a whole lot of shit, but I ain't gonna lie to you. I will do that. I, I might <laughs> consider myself a unicorn, but that's just what it was. I never did that. Aldo was drunk enough right when he came out of the womb. I, I had sex at. I had my first <laughs> sex at nine years old, dude. Nine years old. And what? It never, at, and it never stopped. <laughs> Jay Huh? I. That would make sense if you were fucking that. Oh. There goes my table. Hold on a second. I have a I have a electric adjustable table. If I was if I was getting laid at nine, I guess I probably would never have jerked off for the first time at thirteen on accident. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. You grow up fast in the hood, man. You you shit hell yeah. She was older. She was probably about four years older than me. I, it felt weird, but actually, as a matter of fact, you want to hear a funny story? When I actually I seen my uncle. My uncle had like a three inch gap under his door, and I used to sneak up there whenever he brought a girl over and, you know, I'd be watching everything that's going on. I'd be up under that motherfucker and all I see is black ass and feet in the air <laughs> all day long. And, and you know what? I knew what I needed to do when my time, when my time came. Luckily, it was a girl that lives a few houses, a few houses down. 28. <laughs> she, hey, look, she, hey, she pulled me up to the porch and she just started slobbing me down, kissing me. And it just made me just grow. She pulled me into the house and started out of mouth and just started making out with you. Man, dude, it just it happened like like that fast. And before I knew it, I, I felt it coming on and I just pulled, I didn't know what was happening to me. And I pulled that thing out, man. That shit started jumping out. And I You're took like, off fucking running. Oh. I took off running while it was happening. I ran. I feel like you were peeing. It scared me. It literally yeah. scared me. You, you, you don't it freaked me out. I didn't know I what was happening to me. The first time I, I accidentally fucking made myself jerk off by, I guess, masturbating was with soap. I was like washing myself right in the shower. And also I was like, what is this weird feeling? I feel like I have to pee. And all of a sudden, like it got thick. And I was like, that's not normal. <laughs> you jacked uh, off with soap. I was in the shower. I was washing myself, and I was like, washing myself. And then I was like, washing myself, and I was like, I feel like I have to pee. And I was like, that's funny. That's that's the you know, opening that's scene of American Beauty. Weird coming out of me. It feels like Aldo? what is this? And I was like, <laughs> I remember when it hit the bottom of the of the shower. I was like, I, th I think, I think that I think I just turned into a man. <laughs> oh, so. Oh my oh, God! Good stuff.
Guys, it might be that time to pull the plug on this episode of Bear Their Souls. Let's go around the table and get some final words. Johnny Santucci, how's the oh, uh, gambling business uh, uh, going, the sports gaming business? You know, uh, Saturday, Sunday, not the best, but lately. Uh, before that hot streak, Saturday, Sunday, a little cold streak, and then back on top, hot uh, streak. Um, I did have a couple things I forgot. We got the, the Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, I do have a couple things before we blow the uh, uh, lid off this thing and and, and uh, uh, shut it down. Got uh, the story came by rightly that like Wikipedia had the uh, Super Bowl script. There's the final score, right? For uh, oh, I don't know if you saw the uh, everything scripted. It's all rigged, like last week's show. It's already, <laughs> there you go, thirty-seven, thirty-four. That's the script. I love it. Yep, yep. And then uh, here's this uh, little. Tidbit, tidbit, tidbit here from Field Yates. The Chiefs this year, a 16 and 3 overall record, 546 points scored, six All Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. AFC's number one seed. The Eagles this year, 16 and 3 overall record, 546 points scored, six All Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. NFC's number one seed. That makes for a great Super Bowl. Hope y'all have some great food this weekend. Uh, as you prepare for the Super Bowl, me, I mean, to me, the Eagles are are the better team. But who knows? Like Dan says, they may want the Mahomes uh, uh, story. The script is written, whatever. But uh, I've crunched crunched some numbers, and man, I, uh, the Eagles uh, have uh, a statistically better defense and, and and statistics going forward. That doesn't always mean they're going to win the game. But if I were uh, Laying money, I, I, I probably lean towards the Eagles minus one and a half. Uh, haven't placed any bets yet. I'm still looking at it. Um, but uh, I hope everyone has a great Super Bowl Sunday. I know I've, I've got to get to Costco, get my ribs going so I can get them in the smoker. All right, the, uh, Tooch, hold on. And yep. any of the rest of the guys can jump in here. Passing touchdowns over or under for Jalen Hurts 1.5. What say you over or under? Um, man, I, so here's the thing. The Eagles are, are uh, they had the most rushing touchdowns in NFL history this season. So, uh, I lean towards the under in this game, but I, I like, I don't know. I, I, I would say under for that one. Okay. What you guys want to want in on this? $20, $20 a guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, <laughs> Eagles, wait, man, no, I don't bet. <laughs> All right, passing yards, Tooch. Uh, over 241.5 for Jalen Hurts or under. I probably would say under, but it wouldn't surprise me if he went over. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just uh, – look, the, uh, no both, the, both these teams have great pass rushes. You know, I mean, the Eagles have got on Reddick. That guy was in the backfield every single play against San Francisco. I mean, every single play is on red. Number seven. Uh, would, li- would like to see him in a Bears uniform. And then, you know, you got Chris Jones up the middle uh, creating havoc for the Chiefs, Frank Clark on the edge. Um, you know, it's uh, – to me, I, I don't I don't know if there'll be that uh, uh, much passing yardage. So I think it'll be more of a running game, a little defensive game. So I, I, 71 points like it showed in that script. I just I don't see that. 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be a high scoring game and there are going to be lots of passing yards, but it's going to be primarily because of the yards after catch. A lot of bubble screens. We're going to see explosive plays. Um, this to me is one of the more fascinating Super Bowls uh, in recent memory that because every there's a fucking storyline everywhere you look. The Kelsey yep. brothers, two yep. African American quarterbacks for the first time, two one coaches half with Amer- African American, yeah, two uh, two coaches who have different styles, uh, and and it's going to be an interesting chess match. I mean, you can go on and on. Some really really good storylines on this one. So, Tooch, man, over. I mean, what? Who should I bet on, Eagles or uh, Chiefs? Come on. Come to me, baby. Well, money is evenly <laughs> split. I think it's like almost 50-50 for Chiefs and Eagles, uh, uh, yeah. the handle. Um, so it's good. It's going to be a great Super You saw me throw it up there. They're, they're, these are the top two teams in their conferences. Um, yeah. Really here's a, uh, there's a few thing, a uh, things. Uh Eagles defense faced deep passes on just 7.6% of passes this season. They, you couldn't throw deep on the Eagles because of their pass rush. Mm-hmm. So, um, like Aldo says, it's good. it would be short passes. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, um, Patrick Mahomes threw 16 touchdowns over the middle third of the field this season, six more than any other quarterback, but the Eagles are the only defense to allow negative EPA expected uh, uh, passing uh, yards per attempt. Uh, minus 3.6 on passes over the middle. So Eagles defense uh, also ranked the top five of yards per attempt and defensive success rate on uh, throws over the middle, which is where Patrick Mahomes made most of his uh, throws. And then you've got two great tight ends in this Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, 202 receiving. This is all stuff I've done to try and get the the handicap out, but I'm having a hard time because these teams are so – uh, uh, evenly matched, but uh, Chiefs Travis Kelsey 202 receiving yards over expected this season, uh, and, and Dallas Goddard was third with uh, 189 yards over expected. They're both uh, they're both good at finding the soft uh, zones and coverage, um, and then Mahomes distributed the ball across his receiving core this season. No receiver accounted for more than 26 percent of the Chiefs air yards. Went la- last uh, time they. Uh, had that was when Tyreek Hill was there, and he had over 30% of the Chiefs' air yard share. Um, A.J. Brown's a guy you have to watch out for. He averaged a career-high 4.5 yards per route against press coverage, and uh, the most in the in, the most in a season in the, in the modern era for one minimum 100 routes run. So A.J. Brown has gained a career-high, a league-high 572 receiving yards over expected versus press coverage. And the Chief alliance, Chiefs align in press coverage 43.9% uh, of, of wide receiver routes face the season. So they're, they're in press coverage, and you got the best wide receiver against press coverage in A.J. Brown. Uh, Eagles running backs ran to the weak side, a season-high 80% of their carries. And uh, they scored three touchdowns on weak side running back runs. And uh, the Chiefs' uh, weak side run uh, uh, against is uh, their their weak spot. So, uh, Chiefs defense used dime personnel thirty percent of plays four of the last five games, and the defense. Oh my god! Who the hell cares? <laughs> Enough. Yep, <laughs> so, so the whole fucking numbers bouncing off my brain. It's like so I just asked you, who the fuck is going to win the game? He's giving. I, I like the Eagles, but I mean, <laughs> god damn, I. I, I 
I, I just I'd hope the refs are, I hope the refs aren't throwing it for the Chiefs. But so basically, uh, Carl, Carl, Chappers, big Carl Chappers is given the second most penalties against the Chiefs of any uh, NFL ref. So you don't know what the fuck to pick. Didn't he start off in the very I, beginning I like by the saying he goes by one and a half, but he just doesn't know? And then you had to fucking I ask don't. him the question, Aldo. <laughs> no. Minus one and a half, I'll take the, the Eagles minus and one and a half. And he started talking about rushing to the right side, 47. I was like, what the fuck? He's breaking I, it down. I, I, I guarantee you two's got an ass sweat going on right that goes, now. That all goes into the spreadsheet. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, that's the way to chart a game. I, I get it, you know? <laughs> I, I just want to know who's going to win the game. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you two things to look forward Enough to. The cliff notes too. I'll tell you. <laughs> two two quick things. I'll tell you who's going to win this game. It's going to be the Chiefs. I'm going to tell you two reasons why. Patrick Mahomes got an extra week to get that ankle healthy. Mm-hmm. That's huge, fucking yeah. huge. And the Chiefs' defense is very underrated. Oh yeah. Yep. That's going to be the story. Mm-hmm. Um. I uh, we where this is this is our parting thoughts, right? That is correct. I'm I'm can I I'm going last chair before you, Eldo. Um, no, you can go whenever you want. No, I, <laughs> I'll let you fucking finish it off. But I, I just want to say, uh, I think that the Eagles are going to win this game. I really do. Uh, I think their defense is better, and I think their yep. offense is. Uh, going to be able to overcome the Chiefs' defense just a little bit better. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a good game. Um, that 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 offense of the Eagles when they're rolling, they're rolling. So I'm just I, I like I like your uh, your first prediction there, Tooch. Eagles by one and a half. So <laughs> or negative one and a yeah. half. Either one, you said minus one and a half. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. It'll probably um, be a close game. Yeah, I, I I think Shorty is probably my where I'm leaning as well. You know, the Eagles defense yeah. is a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, pa- pass coverage a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, pass rush a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and and but, defense. Uh, game. Yeah. I mean, uh, special teams and, and turnovers could, could change that in a hurry. You know, exactly. One, pu- sure. one punt return or kickoff return or yep. a pick six. And uh, yep. it could go the Chiefs way or the Eagles way one way or the other. And it's probably. Although, although if you want to win some money. Go opposite of what they're talking about. <laughs> I promise you, Patrick Mahomes with an extra week to get his ankle together, he's going to be a little bit leaner on that field. And I'm telling you guys, that defense that Spagnuolo is 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 putting together with those those guys are better than you think. And they just added some guys off of injury reserve that they didn't have. I'm telling you, Kansas City going to get this one. It ain't Jalen Hurts' time yet. It, it is, man. It is so tough to predict this one. This is. Oh, we got I, some. Can we put some barroom wagers on this. You guys want to bet what, a buck? What are the uh, uh, chat room saying <laughs> as far as like uh, uh, who do they like? Which saying Omni looks like they like the Eagles. Exactly. Eagles lines are better. Everybody Both. likes the Eagles. It's easy to. They have the built team. It's just it's not their time just yet. One more year, and I I think they got it. Stephen May says, fuck the Super Bowl. I'm just going to watch porn. Good for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) They should have a a B-I-I-P-S-A before the game or after the game. I don't know. I think Stephen May had the quote of the show before, so he's he's always got good quotes. (laughs) Guys, can I can I can I just uh, end the show by saying um, 
that Nomad, uh, somebody asked a question here in the show. It was J2K. And I want to go back to it here. Uh, J2K said... J2K. Oh, sir, that's not it. I think I just deleted... Oh, I just deleted it. Fuck. I How deleted could you it. delete it? I'm an asshole. Hello, uh, I used to have a producer. Anyway, J2K asked me... Wait a minute. I saw a cock punch. What the fuck yeah, was that? It was the wrong thing. It's a TV show, I think. I fucked that all up. Yes. I, I deleted it on accident and hit the wrong one. Anyway, J2K asked um, about... Uh, he said, Mr. Shorty, what about doing that through show? And J2K, uh, we kind of had a meeting, Nomad. Um, J2K and I and a, a bunch of others um, on BCP to try to kind of come up with the concept of an open mic where chat comes into the show. So people who are in here tonight who want to be a part of the show could easily just hop into the show with a link and they could come in and join us. And this is kind of a, a concept that I had been working on for Bears Country Productions, the, Bear, the Bears Country podcast section of it. And ironically, Eldo and I were talking and it, great minds fucking think alike. It was also an idea of his. And so uh, with this, the role that like we have now moving forward and, you know, both of us, myself included, on the barroom now, I, I thought that would be a perfect idea to fuck off doing on Bears Country podcast and do this on the barroom network because of the fan base that we have. And so J2K, to answer your question, uh, I would like to continue that concept that I had that that the podfather was brainstorming my head from and came up with the concept as well uh, to move move forward with something like that with you, Nomad if you would like to do so, where you and I do like an open mic show here on the Barroom Network on a different night of the week where fans would have the chance to enter the show from chat through a, a link that would be provided into the description of the channel. And if you fuck up, you will be removed entirely and definitely and you will not be able to come back. So... It's a, it would be a great opportunity for people who are in chat, Triple R, Stephen Me, with your excellent comments, J2K, J-Rock, everybody here. Cliff's been on the show before. Cliff is used to it. He could probably be someone that could help uh, other, other, you know, J2K's been on the show too. Uh, guys like this mm. could help the show uh, give, give people kind of um, that. Um, Do you want my answer to it? Let me finish the, the, that the, the energy, I should say, the confidence that they need by seeing other people jump in the show and doing this. I think it'd be fun to do something like that with you, Nomad. What do you think? Well, I thought this, I thought that was a conversation that you should have probably had behind the scenes. But since you brought it out here, I would say no, because you changed your, your mind too fucking much. <laughs> and you like, we had a good thing going on with BCP, and you changed your mind about that. And that's just something we should probably talk about away from everybody else man i would say no no you don't nope. want to you wouldn't want to do that i wouldn't all right not unless we talk about it dan on dan on play-by-play -play, no mag doing the analysis the other dan back in the studio tooch does the gambling angle i watch porn <laughs> <laughs>
Saint Omni says we should live stream games next year, and so that's the lineup. Dan on play that by was, play. Nomad yeah. does the analysis. Uh, For sure. Dan back at the studio. Tooch does the gambling on, and I'm yeah. fucking watching porn. That'd be a great we're, idea. we're definitely we're definitely on to something. It's about like it's it. about finding that niche and getting consistent at it because we love you guys' input and and what you guys see in us and what we see and what we can put on the table. It's probably related. It's just about finding out what that formula is and what it looks like. I think that's what does, the best uh, what, what does Aldo lean towards in this game? Eagles or Chiefs? Ooh. I frankly, I haven't even given it any thought as to who's going to win. I just love the fact that these two teams are playing in the Super Bowl. These are clearly the best this is teams. Clearly, the two best teams. Exactly. Yep. Clearly. I yep. love both quarterbacks. I I was praying that the Bears would draft either one of those two quarterbacks. Yeah, you were. On a, on a, yeah. I, I wanted. No, I wanted. I wanted Mahomes number three overall. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. in the day. And I wanted Jalen Hurts as a second round pick. I thought he'd been a great guy to pick up, but uh, all the I, people uh, who are paid to make those decisions don't uh, want to fucking call me. There's a key, uh, a key stat that both these teams are two, number two and number three in red zone scoring efficiency. Chiefs number two, Eagles number three. Red zone defense efficiency, Eagles number 11 overall, Chiefs 30th out of 32. That's what, what could be a deciding factor for me. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is not as good in the red zone as the Eagles. But uh, uh, like I said, anything can happen. It's Super Bowl, man. It's like nerves are. I mean, these guys, a lot of these guys, they're they're pros. But they're still gonna fucking be nervous, right? No matter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fucking biggest <laughs> game of their lives. Yeah, they still, they still picked it to Hester in that Super Bowl because they were like, "Fuck it, this guy's not gonna possibly run back a <laughs> touchdown," and he did. Right, so anything can happen. Toots, change your bet, yeah. man. <laughs> I haven't placed a bet yet. You betting that yeah. don't go Eagles, I promise you, man. That's just that's just because I got love for you, man. I'm just telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's all about the love. No bad, uh, your final thoughts before we uh pull the plug. Really quickly, man, because I know you got it. We 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 went too long last week and we're verging on that time space again. And I don't like that. But really quickly, thank you guys for rocking with us through our different emotions and different thoughts and different points of view about this that and the other mm-hmm. we never intend to offend nobody but each other we don't intend to offend <laughs> offend you guys and everybody everybody's free to their way of thinking and really quickly you guys thank you for being here bring other people here let's help grow this thing hit the like hit the subscribe and let's grow this brand man and, and boom this shit the fuck out here for everybody to hear us Greatly put, and again, our love to you and your family, man, during this uh, difficult time. So uh, yeah. please know that if you need anything at all, reach out, and we'll do the best we can to help. Absolutely. Uh, as long as we're not like watching to... porn at the time, we'll help out. Exactly. Again, yeah. Priorities. <laughs> you got to have the priorities. Uh, I just want to remind people that our Patreon page is open. It is the patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. For $5 a month, you will get tons of stuff. And then for $10 a month, you get a little bit more. And that little bit mm-hmm. more is Greg Gabriel, the former director of the Chicago Bears uh, scouting yeah. department. He offers his uh, draft evaluations for the $5. You get all I the shit. I was listening to Greg, 
Greg Gabriel, and he said uh, one player at the Senior Bowl reminded him of Tommy Harris. I couldn't remember. Was it the Tuliapo guy? Or... No, I think it was – uh, uh, on his show. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. It was about. Clancy. Yeah. Was, it, was, it, was Clancy at the, Super, at the Senior Bowl? No. No, no, no. What the I hell? I really liked uh, from, Tommy From Wisconsin. Harris. He's from Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm Keanu. pretty sure. Keanu. Keanu Benton, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's some really excellent uh, three techs in here, and so I, I have Greg is going to go through those, and uh, we will. The player that is bothering me is I just want before quick question: Deshaun Jamison as a kick returner, punt returner from Texas. Any thoughts? Anybody know who the fuck he is? He's he he's was a in the back, man, and he yeah. and he and he doubles as a kick returner, punt returner. He's not that exclusively. He's a really good DB. Oh, okay. Damn. What about uh, Devon Witherspoon? Man, I'd like to see him in a Bears uniform. <laughs> First yeah. and second corner off the board, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But yeah. Ain't going to happen, but uh, there are there were some good corners in the, in the Senior Bowl, and actually I thought there were a couple of good ones when I watched the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl game that Danny was at. And so there's, there's going to be some interesting picks because it does appear like uh, – Ryan Poles has got his eye on cornerbacks in this draft because he said he was going to focus on the premium positions, offensive line, defensive line, and yeah. cornerback was what he was what he slotted as a premium yeah. position. Now he could be talking shit. That could be his way of bluffing to just throw shit out there for other general managers uh, to think about. But I I, I got to believe that he he thinks like me of course he thinks like me but that he puts a value on defensive backs in this passing league and it's been so slow i disagreed with danny shimman last year when he didn't regard safeties as a very high priority and i'm like we haven't had a good fucking safety tandem in this town since eddie jackson and adrian amos they have a fantastic season together and then we allow amos to go to the green bay packers that's to me is ridiculous when we're coming off of chris Contes and a bunch of other guys that couldn't play the position. The safety position yeah. is so important, particularly now. You need to bring in that safety to play the slot position. You need to play in the box to help with tackling and stuff. It's it's a different football game than uh, my father's football game. Yeah. Hey Aldo, hey Aldo. If that, if I've noticed anything in this playoffs, and I'm not I'm not going to be a football meathead, but I'm I'm going to tell you what I've seen as the outlier in the whole playoffs in the last couple of years is the, is the defensive line, the offensive line and the secondary it with, with emphasis on the defensive line and the secondary, the, the speed of which the, the, the defensive line gets to the quarterback and how much easier the the secondary on the other half of the field can make a play on the ball. It's a premium to make sure you have a great secondary and a great defensive line. Fuck yeah, they're supposed to spend some money or or spend draft capital in that area. They this is a big picture plan, and they did that the first time around going into the secondary. This time around, it's going to be probably the defensive front first, and then some nice picks in the second, third, fourth round in the secondary. Yeah. I'm with you there. I'm totally with you. We've got to revamp the trenches, man. And so uh, you got and you got to start with a defensive line that right now there isn't a starter 
on the, the on the roster. You got a backup defensive lineman. That's what you got. Guys who would be excellent backups. So we got so much more Chicago Bears to talk on this show and some of the other shows on this platform. If you did not see, by the way, uh, my man from the Barfly Tailgate show, Ryan Kirkland Bill- Billings, Ryan Billings Kirkland, <laughs> he had on his cousin, who is a professional football player, plays defensive tackle for the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders. And that show was last Friday. It's available on demand. Uh, uh, we got tons of other stuff, like I said, on the Patreon. Plus, we've got uh, fresh new programming coming tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. It will be Bar Down Hockey Talk. And then um, we've got a freshly minted episode of Draft on Tap tomorrow night at 8 p.m. So that and a lot more. Uh, you guys are the absolute best. Nomad, the other Dan. Johnny Santucci, Dan Aguirre, we love you. Hope you're saving some lives. With that, we're going to close this episode of Bear Their Souls. Take care, everybody. Peace and love. How'd that happen? (laughs) Hey, thanks for that, Aldo. We're still here. We're still still alive. Why didn't I my video?